I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I'm going to succeed. Bionic. Are, are you succeeding from the Future Quake Show? I'm out of here. That's it, yeah. Are you taking Pyro with you? No. You okay. can keep the dog. Wow. Not the dog. It's Pyro. Oh, ladies, yeah, you're right. The ladies dog, and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you for another week of Future Quake, particularly if you're a new listener and have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, just join the club. But uh, we have... A, what I promise to be a really thought-provoking show. I know I say that frequently, but this one's going to really deliver this week, isn't it, Tom? This is very thought-provoking. This will uh, uh, divide everybody on all sorts of different ways on how they perceive this, mm-hmm. even individual people. You, you'll find yourself maybe agreeing and disagreeing or If there whatever. was a show where you're going to have strong opinions about it, this is the one. But this will get you to think. And that's okay. Which is pretty new for there are, <laughs> for me. Well, there's no, that's not true. <laughs> You're going to meet some thinking Christians that are not only thinking, but they're putting their thoughts into action in their life. And it's going to pose some challenges for you in your thinking. And we want to introduce you to them. Uh, they're representative of a group called Christian Exodus. And we're going to be talking about the latest techniques and initiatives by Christians to get out of Babylon. To get out of Babylon, baby. Like we talk about frequently on the show. We talk about it. We keep a lot of hypotheticals, you know, in our ivory tower. Mm-hmm. These guys have certain convictions. These convic- guys are like, forget hypotheticals. Here we go. They have Look their convictions. Out. And they're changing their lifestyles accordingly. Um, some of their convictions and things, some of you may agree or not agree with, but they base it on what they believe teaching from the Bible. And uh, we think these are the kind of discussions and contemplations that we need to do more. And it's a proper use of Christian radio. To consider these things. How to live your best life out of Babylon now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true, without the megachurch. Yeah. So with no further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce you to Keith Humphrey and the other members of Christian Exodus, talking about uh, latest initiatives by Christians to get out of Babylon, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, excited about the show, uh, because he would sort of like to be in Exodus from spiritual Babylon, or, well, economic Babylon, anyway, bionic. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's tough to diagram the sentences of your middle name sometimes. Man, huh? I have to put out so many of those little change of name forms. Is that right? Yeah, I'm on okay. a first-name basis with the people at the, at the you know, Department of Name Changing. Well, our time is wasting because we have a classic Future Quake show tonight. It's one that people are going to have to listen to, uh, pray about, and meditate over for some time to come because... This is one that's really going to challenge our listeners tonight uh, and really pose some challenges for them to deal with in their own personal life. What we're talking about tonight are the latest techniques and initiatives by Christians to get out of Babylon. And that is my phrase uh, that I'm using for a description of a group called Christian Exodus. Uh, and we have four particular individuals who are joining us. Uh, I'd like to introduce Keith Humphrey in Oregon, Frank Janoski. Yes, hello, Keith. Uh, Frank Janoski in South Carolina, Paul Smith in Idaho, and Robert Rudnick in Oregon, uh, representatives of Christian Exodus. And brethren, I'd just like to tell you it's a pleasure to have you as guest on the Future Quake Show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Okay. Uh, 
You know, we uh, we normally uh, have a very uh, thought-provoking guest on our show. Uh, like, uh, for example, we've got William Grigg coming up uh, next again, coming uh, dropping into our show. Well, in this case, we have four of them. But <laughs> it, uh, and in fact, that that makes a unique challenge, uh, li- listeners. We've got a, a whole platoon. We've had to set up bleachers in the Future Quake Studios <laughs> here for our guest this week. So this uh, this ought to be very interesting to have a uh, a sextet of uh, guys speaking on the show here this Indeed. week. Um, but but this week's content will necessitate that our listeners really seriously ponder the assertions and ideas cited here for some time to come in this show. And uh, I think that, uh, gentlemen, you're out of the box yet largely uh, self-evident positions, at least from, from what I think from reviewing your material, are just the kinds of free, open, and fresh Christian thought that is the main reason why we even do the Future Quake show to begin with. So uh, to begin our discussions today, uh, can one or more of you briefly explain what precipitated the genesis of the Christian Exodus Project and movement and what it actually comprises and its purpose? Well, Christian Exodus began back in 2004, pretty much. It got off the ground, and it all surrounded uh, Roy Moore standing up in Alabama and uh, saying no to the federal government and saying that he was going to follow the law and follow his religious convictions regardless of what they said. And that was a big inspiration to all of us We were looking for what we call a lesser magistrate to stand up and interpose himself and say no. So so, uh, we we saw that happening, and we saw all those people going to Alabama, and we thought, wow, you know, what if we could all move to one place to affect that kind of change? Mm -hmm. So uh, South Carolina was chosen as a primary destination, and uh, about that time there was this um, Lawrence versus Texas ruling. So that was nauseating to uh, a lot of of people, and we thought, wow, you know, gay marriage is in the pipeline, and we've been dealing with abortion for decades. We just have to go somewhere and take a stand. And so uh, we had hoped that thousands of people would be moving to South Carolina and uh, working with us to try to uh, transform society. But we haven't got thousands. <laughs> and we realized that we we're kind of putting the cart before the horse in some respects because some people were showing up, but they weren't already spiritually transformed to the point where they're relying upon God for their sustenance rather than uh, upon the government and large corporations. So uh, people were showing up and they were like, you know, where's my job? Where's my house? Where's my government check? And we're like, no, you have to first transform yourself to the point where you're, you're, you're bowing down before Christ for everything rather than, than Caesar. And, and so then we got in the track about personal secession. Then we also realized that there's places all over the country people are doing this, and they can't. A lot of people can't move to South Carolina. They've got commitments to family, and they they can move maybe a hundred miles, but not a thousand or so. And so we realized that we need to recognize other locations, and, and we saw a lot of people like-minded in Idaho, slightly different flavor, but similar right. kind of goal. So then we uh, we recognize those, and there's also other people in other places that are uh, forming Christian community all over the place. So we want to uh, open-minded to what's going on there, too. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Um, You know, what you're talking about, and and we'll flesh this out during the course of our discussion, but it's very much in line with how my line of thinking has been evolving. uh, And what I believe it truly means to be more than conquerors in Christ. Uh, And being more than a conqueror means that you begin to see the power of Christ in your own personal life. Uh, in prevailing over the uh, slavery to sin and other tyranny in your life, and also 
being circumspect in this world and actually having dependence only to God and your community at the same time. Uh, why did each of you decided to get involved in this group, and what do each of you hope individually to accomplish uh, in each of your personal involvements in this group? With me, it was... Um, oh, please sorry, identify so, yourself. When, when, you, when, when you speak, just say, this is so-and-so, uh, so our listeners yeah. know who's talking. This is Keith Humphrey, and, and I first became involved because I heard about these gay priests in the Episcopal Church, and I was just like, oh, man, if you're in the Episcopal Church, this is a clear sign from God. It's time for you to leave the Episcopal Church. And then they had this Lawrence versus Texas stuff, and so now I realize that, man, I'm a hypocrite. As an American, it's time for me to leave America. <laughs> so I was looking into options and, 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 and see how I could do that, and I just found out, wow, am I crazy? Is there anybody else like me? And then I learned about Christian Exodus, and so I was much encouraged. Mm -hmm. Okay, my name is Robert, and uh, what interests me about Christian Exodus, I'm talking here from Oregon today also, uh, what interests me about Christian Exodus is that I see great potential for it to be a social and political based platform from which to uh, launch uh, effective uh, resistance to the American Holocaust of abortion. Uh, you, you have to, we have to have some place to, uh, you know, we have to have some, you know, some place that can uh, uh, nurture and train and, and uh, you know, and, and harbor people that would be, you know, interested in doing that. That was uh, one of the I, I, great potential there because uh, uh, people just really, well, I think we're going to need, we're going to need our maker so badly to uh, disengage. And, and eventually defeat this Holocaust. It's so obvious that there are no humanistic answers whatsoever to this, that the humanists are, in fact, the enemy. Mm -hmm. that, uh, we're just going to have to, have, you know, it's going to have to be social, cultural, and and uh, faith, primarily uh, social, cultural, and, and also political. Uh, that, this is, that these mm -hmm. strong communities that are, that are independent and, uh, you know, uh, putting God first are, are going to be, like an essential platform, a, 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 an essential piece of the puzzle in, in working our way out of this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Should the Lord, should the Lord carry? All right. Paul or Frank? You, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. This is Frank from South Carolina. Um, I, I would I would just like to add to it too. I think we we all kind of uh, hold, hold those same um, views. Uh, you know what was very wrong, and as we as we became aware that, that think something was definitely very wrong and the and, and our you know Christian churches and, and communities, if you will, at the time our Christian presence in America was 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 being marginalized or, or made uh, very ineffective. Um, my goal for, for getting involved with Christian Exodus was to was to go down and to meet up with folks of like mind, you know, um, uh, Christ minded uh, individuals who who saw the same thing that, that each of us on this phone today um, you know, are, had been seen, and to to uh, to try to make a difference, to try to come together uh, in a local fashion, and to be a, more effective for Christ. At that time, it was uh, you know Christian Exodus plan to relocate folks to um, South Carolina, and the Lord had already been working in my heart for many years, showing me truth about Babylon, which is very very interesting. I find that refreshing about your um, future quake show here, and um, also uh, you know. Some very instrumental things like um, personal indebtedness, a debt-based society, um, a heavy emphasis on materialism, 
uh, that that's been being spoon fed both to to lost folks and to to uh, converted Christians. But um, the the goal was to come down and and, and be effective, and I, and God had enabled me to uh, to move because He'd already been working in those areas. And I guess we'll get to that maybe later on in the call some of those specifics. But uh, but because of that, I guess you could say a personal secession had already begun in my life that allowed me to be to be able to take part in a in the Christian Exodus. Okay. Yeah, this is Paul. I um yeah, I would I would concur with uh with Frank on that. I think all of us uh, really do, you know, we obviously share the same kind of goals and, and ideas and uh I think my my uh my journey started oh probably back in, in two thousand, two thousand one and uh, started doing some research on the internet and started listening to different people about uh, the big lie, the big American lie that's been uh, perpetrated upon the American people, and particularly the Christian community, and uh, the results of that, which has come out in the emerging church and so forth. So it was really, um, it was, uh, I felt compelled uh, to do something and not just talk about it. And uh, I actually, uh, Keith Huffley was the, the one that, that brought the, uh, the concept up to me. But uh, I, I've kind of been on this path for a little while. I've always been somewhat of a rebel uh, before I was saved, and I guess now I'm really a rebel after. <laughs> <laughs> At least as far as Babylon is concerned. Right. <laughs> well, gentlemen, that's fascinating to see how the Lord's worked in each of your lives. Now, I, I have to say that for our average evangelical listeners who are very comfortable where they are right now in their lifestyle and where they are in their community, um, this may make them a little uncomfortable because you all have made some pronounced lifestyle choices to be consistent with your convictions, and they don't know anything about you. In fact, my extent is what I read from your website. Uh, but what I want to make clear to dismiss anything so it, it wouldn't be a distraction for our listeners for the remaining part of it, and they wouldn't misunderstand, I want to make some things clear to them. You all are not part of any kind of like white separatist group or anything of racial preferences or anything like that, correct? No, and we're not a cult either. <laughs> okay, all right. And, I'm sorry we have to even well, ask that. And I hope you're not offended by that, but I just don't want I want to be a, be a stepping stone for people to understand and appreciate the wisdom of the steps that you're taking, and that wouldn't be a distraction to people. Uh, you don't recommend any kind of uh, violent response to the state or anything like that, correct? No, we would rather that the state has a, as a legitimate arm of God that it would use force to suppress lawlessness and murder, okay. not not support it. <laughs> okay, but I mean, you so are... we, we don't we don't mean to resist and overthrow the government. We mean to be the government at the local and state level. Okay, but you don't mean that like you're not like some kind of militia or something trying to overthrow elected government or anything like that. No, we mean to be elected government. We mean to be county commissioner, sheriff, uh, governor of a state. We mean we we mean to transform society, not to uh, attack it. Okay. So you what what you're saying is use lawful means, in other words, to use the the opportunity we have now in our country to have positions of influence to be able to be a positive influence in society. Yes, of course. We regard God's law as the highest law. Mm-hmm. Okay. So lawful within God's parameters, which are more stringent often than those of the state. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, I would also point out, this is Robert, I would also point out that uh, we're talking about lawful and constitutional. 
dysfunctional methods from which to proceed. We see, uh, we see particularly county sheriff and state governor positions as, uh, being, uh, very potentially powerful and, uh, and they're, and quite underused currently to, uh, hold the federal government in check. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Uh, in other words, they are a means by which to help preserve those freedoms that were established in the Constitution. Right. It's, it's, it's an important part of the checks and balances that have been way underused and under, way understood in the past, I don't know how long, in my lifetime. I'm, I'm 55 years old. Uh, in my lifetime, there's not been very much understanding or use of the, uh, the nullification abilities of positions, for instance, such as uh, county sheriff and uh, state governor. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we may have some other questions like that down the road, but I just want to make sure that was clear to people that we're not talking to a group who's trying to intentionally break a laws for, for a power trip or do anything else like this other than to be what the Lord has laid on their heart to be uh, as an example to others. Uh, although I don't want to spend much time on this, the thing that you're most known for in, in Christian Exodus is this idea of relocation, uh, of what I understand to be getting a concentration of people that are, that are like-minded where you can really have a quorum of people to make a big difference rather than being dilute minority across the country. Am I understanding that correct, or can you explain this concept of localized, concentrated settlement? Yes, we believe God calls us out of the world system and calls us together into the church, which we don't see the church as being the 501c3 brick-and-mortar government corporation. We see it as being a community, a parallel society, if you will, that God's Word addresses every area of life, especially law and government. So we don't separate our faith from our perception. The law and government should work. We apply it. So, yeah, we want to accelerate the return to self-government at the local level through planned migration. Okay. All right. So did I explain that correctly, though, that at this time people of similar convictions are sort of a, a minority spread across the country, which makes it very hard to to live that out, whereas if you if you assemble communities – even if they're very large, like you said, an entire state, where you have a higher concentration, the odds are higher that you can use lawful means by which to, to, to sort of live out those kind of structures. Exactly. And God calls us to be a body. God calls us together to be a city on a hill. Okay. All right. Um, well, we're going to talk about some of the, the challenges in that. Just like anything that, that one does, there's always challenges involved later in our discussion. But I want to focus on the part of what I read about your group online that intrigued me the most. And this is this concept of personal secession. And this is not talking about people relocating to another place. This is something that every one of our listeners can ponder about and consider doing on some level individually. And I think it, it's, it articulates several different steps that we have alluded to at times on our show that are at least at our disposal we can do. Uh, to not be part of the problem and part of the system. You know, uh, many people, particularly in the last 75 years since the, the New Deal came about, think that government or the state must control various aspects of our life to regulate and hold back the exploitative power of the corporate world, which is a very real power. Uh, and they derive that power from the, the uh, concentration and aggressive use of assets and capital. Uh, unfortunately, what I think are people who, who see government as that regulating force fail to recognize that these government representatives do the bidding 
of the, the same corporate interests who finance their campaigns and line their pockets directly. And they furthermore add this uh, martial or coercive power of the state to their arsenal of weapons over us. So when the government's in the pocket of the corporate world, not only do they have economic tyranny over it, they have the coercive power of law enforcement uh, over us as well. Uh, alternatively, we actually have within each of us, I believe, individually and as communities, the best means of retaining our independence and freedom over the tyranny of even the smallest of issues by taking time to refrain from voluntarily underwriting these tyrants that I've just mentioned with our own personal choices of how we use our funds, our time, and our lifestyle decisions we make uh, to greatly disarm what I would call these societal bullies uh, over the rest of us. So in other words, in our, in our constant search to find the culprits for, for what's wrong with America, which we talk a lot about on this show, we may need to look no further than our own mirrors and particularly a place of where the, the solution begins. Am I on the right track in understanding this concept, or how would you further define this movement toward personal secession? I want to talk about the specific details of it later, but, but the overall philosophy of it. Well, yes, primarily it's a spiritual journey because we transfer our allegiance from the system of this world to Christ. And by doing that, we are separating ourselves from the fear of death, from the fear of the tyrant. And it's not our goal to uh, overthrow or destroy tyranny, but to stand up and say, no, we will not cooperate. We withdraw our cooperation, and we will not uh, support uh, unlawful and unjust edicts. Okay. Any other comments? Well, yeah, this is Paul. I would think that uh, I just had a passing thought that um, one might be able to compare us uh, and Bear with me for a second while I go through this. Uh, there's the Mormon polygamous cult that believes in, in bleeding the beast by taking all kind, you know, uh, fathering all kinds of children and having them part of the welfare state, okay? And they want to bleed the beast and take down the system that way. <laughs> but we're on the complete other end of the scale. We, we believe in not even participating in that kind of thing because, first of all, it's wrong. Uh, and... So ours is, 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 as Keith said, is, is, is a spiritual thing, first of all. And once we, we go on a journey as we're, as we're drawn closer and closer to Christ, uh, his law becomes more and more clear in our lives and, and guides us uh, away from those things that, uh, that, are, that are of this world. Okay. Uh, I, I guess the point I want to make for our listeners here, and we're, we're now going to talk about some of the individual elements of personal secession. Um, is that you all are taking your personal convictions, and I'm sure not every one of you or every one of the movement has the same detailed doctrinal positions on on every issue and things. That's not the point. We all have we're all responsible for God and understanding His His revealing in the Word. But you all, what you have in common is a decision to take personal action based upon your conviction, and not to just sit around and complain, but to actually change your lifestyle to be consistent with what your positions are. Is, 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 am I true? Is that the one thing you all really have that, that unites you? Yes, and a, and a love for liberty, that, that we wouldn't bow to the, the powers of evil implemented through the state. Okay. All right. C can you uh, list the elements of personal secession that you've listed on your website in just a very brief description and the rationale for each of them, why it's an important part of this movement? 
we are we are being held down by a thousand lily putting chains that are that are binding us as service to a, 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 a corporatism and statism, and we need to break these chains one by one. And it's all about uh, being faithful to God. I mean, we shouldn't be financing the system that is the tool of our oppression. So we want to withdraw this uh, indebtedness. We want to be free of debt, to be free of slavery. We want to return to the home, to the community. So uh, one of our things, you know, we want to we want to have our homes to be little sanctuaries where we have a home-centered economy, where uh, we're uh, getting married without state permission, we're, we're having children without state permission, we are educating our children without state permission, uh, we are doing having a church in the home. We are raising our own food in the home. All of this, we don't need a license from the government. To, this is our God-given right. So a lot of these things is just turning turning things around to have a home-centered economy where we're no longer serving the government and the corporations and the bankers, but we're serving the family and the community and the church. Hmm. Okay. So uh, it is a lifestyle that at the same time, uh, you're not supporting the system, but also you're not dependent upon it as well. The the, the whole Babylon system that's been set up, uh, you, you find that you can actually have a rewarding life uh, and, and have a consistent community, a loving family and community involvement without any of the tools of the institutional globalist system to, to make that a reality, correct? Well, freedom is very expensive. It's very difficult to come by. Look at the Mennonites. Hard they work. Well, <laughs> we find that there are there are a lot of things that are more difficult this way. This isn't the easy way to go, but we try to articulate the different ways in which we, by depending on God instead of the government, large corporations for our livelihood, we're able to uh, sanctify ourselves from from the, this world system. A lot of the corruption is involved because you just follow the money. The churches, well, we can't do that. Why? Because that would jeopardize our tax-exempt status. Well, why? Because that would jeopardize our source of income. Mm-hmm. Well, if we don't have that kind of dependence, we're not worried about it. We can rise up and, and speak to the culture and, and, and defy unjust laws. We don't have to worry about losing our tax-exempt status because we never applied for it in the first place. Welcome back to Future Quake. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I'm seceding. In all senses of the word, bionic. Are you succeeding in your seceding? As soon as I... Never mind. Hey, <laughs> I'm not gonna go how, about, how about you just get out of Babylon? How about that? Let's get out of Babylon, guys. Okay. Let's all do it together. Come okay. on. Well, the gentleman that we just talked to here expressed their own personal views of what led them to a point of getting out of Babylon. Mm-hmm. They had personal convictions they felt the Lord laid on their heart about particularly moral issues and the role of the state. Mm-hmm. And they took the actions that they felt the Lord laid on their heart. And I think it challenges us to consider what they say. Um, you all can have all sorts of opinions. And someone who can tell you how to let us know what you think about them is Murr. So, Murr, would you tell them how to contact us here at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. 
Let's go get out of Babylon. Okay. Uh, listen to the, all this week's show. Uh, digest all of it and then let us know what you think about it. But I appreciate them coming. I appreciate you being here. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, getting out of Babylon, Bionic. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Because this is going to be our second installment today with Keith Humphrey and other representatives of the group Christian Exodus. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about the latest techniques and initiatives by Christians to get out of Babylon. Mm -hmm. A very thought-provoking and challenging show. Mm -hmm. um, you may think of all sorts of different things about these people and the positions they take. Mm -hmm. But you have to say they put their faith into action based upon their beliefs, and they're going to give you food for thought. Well, they made a, they made a very interesting uh, comment. It might, have been, it might have been Keith or Frank uh, in yesterday's show where they mentioned uh, that the transfer of allegiance when one becomes a Christian is, a, is far more serious than what we as currently in the West take it. So that's, that's something they're challenging us with yes. in this show. Uh -huh. Well, you're going to find evidence of that in this show. So with further ado, here's the second installment of our talk with Christian Exodus, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Well, let me go over some of these, and I just want you to get a quick comment on it. Agrarianism. Why is it important for Christians to go back to a lifestyle of family farming? Frank? Well, um... It's kind of hard to answer that directly without taking in um, uh, to view the entire idea of personal secession. Uh, that's sort of an advanced, uh, you know, you started off with agrarianism. That's, that's sort of advanced what Keith was saying as far mm -hmm. as uh, the cost of personal secession or, you know, how difficult it is. Um, obviously, agrarianism speaks to self-sufficiency or the ability, I, I should say, um, self-dependency or dependency really on God. Um, you know, we as we as Christian agrarians in South Carolina on our farm have grown, um, and God has opened our eyes, understanding obviously beyond beyond uh, his, the first you know fundamental truth of the gospel and salvation. Um, but He's opened our eyes as to how to live a victorious Christian life, um, and and if Christian agrarianism, you know, uh, draws you to become dependent upon God once again for. Your, your, your food, your very sustenance. So we believe that that is a fundamental tenet. If, if a person begins to realize that, um, you know, the chicken that they're eating at McDonald's uh, had to be grown somewhere and it's grown on some big corporate farm, um, but it could have been grown on your farm. You could have taken that chicken. And, I, you know, I have children and we, you know, we slaughter our chickens. We, we, we eat the fruit of the, of the earth and, and, and what God has provided. And it creates a, um, a humbleness and a thankfulness that I yet to see ever created by a message, and I, I don't mean to to um, speak disrespectfully, but most of the uh, most of the rice messages you might hear in the organized church um, would not have that same effect because it really isn't a work of the spirit. I believe Christian agrarianism is a return to the fundamentals of us being both dependent on God and dependent upon one another because you can't successfully farm and and truly um, uh, provide uh, for the needs of the community as well as your family uh, without depending on God and one another. And there, therein is true fellowship. Mm -hmm. 
Well, are you all familiar with the writings of Wendell Berry? No, sir. Uh, Wendell Berry is someone I suggest you check out. He's an award-winning writer. Uh, he, he's quite, probably quite an elderly gentleman in Kentucky right now. Uh, I don't know all of his details, but he's really beloved. And I think he was almost something akin to a Christian exodus way before you all came along. <laughs> and But he understands about the dehumanizing effect of moving away from a farm environment. And I can't do justice to explain, but I highly recommend you read his writings because he's been extremely influential in understanding the sacredness of a, the lifestyle of being connected to the earth and about being connected to family. And just a few things I'd mention on this one. What, one of the things that that lifestyle provides you is an opportunity for fathers and sons to work together, for mothers and daughters to be together. Sons can see their father solving problem, or fa uh, sons can see their father solving problems, uh, pro literally providing for their family in front of their eyes, and just spending time, uh, you know, as a family unit. And, and also in that kind of lifestyle, you're really dependent on the Lord to send the rain, and, and as you alluded to, you know, raising the crops. You're not worried about what the Federal Reserve is doing, or if people uh, do too many CDOs. And, and, you know, there's call options and everything comes yeah. in. financial frequency trading is just not an issue when does, the corn's growing. Does it have an effect on what you, what you raise and what you can? So it, it's something that it, it's probably one of, the, one of the bigger steps one would take in their life. But, but it's something that actually gets you out of that system and all the stresses or things out of your control. You put yourself only under the control influence of God at that point. Now, and, and the next one is intentional community. Which, which uh, suggests that uh, a, a practice of actually having more intimate living arrangements in a community or together to have more direct fellowship together. Is that correct? You want to answer that one, Paul? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, my battery's going low on my phone, so if you, you lose me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, if if we do, Paul, it's been nice to have you. Uh, speak up a little bit, Paul, if you can, so we can hear you clearly. Alrighty. Um, well, yeah, the, the we have a, uh, the Christian Exodus has taken the form of a, uh, what we call the Liberty House here in Boise, and mm. um, we were starting on a very, you know, basic level. And the, the primary focus of the house is really to discipleship uh, one another. Uh, it's also more like the small city of refuge and a point of contact for you know emigres and provide support and guidance. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up is because one of the things we found out in within the Liberty House is that not all Christians think alike, and uh, there are some things we cannot agree on. Uh, and unfortunately, what happens is we're not able to live together. Uh, so the concept and the intent of creating an intentional community uh, is directly linked in, uh, to the idea that we all share the same common beliefs on, on the most important things of doctrine, and that will affect our beliefs on uh, social interaction, and uh, which, which, you know, is the, the civil law. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, when Christians first came to this country, they had some disastrous experiment, I believe it was the Plymouth Plantation, correct me if I'm wrong, and because they brought the socialist ideas with them from uh, Europe, 
And what they quickly realized after almost starving to death was that, uh, you know, their concept of doctrine uh, of our faith is directly linked on how we relate to one another and how we're going to build a community together. And, and that, so uh, socialism, they found out very quickly, does not work for Christians or for anybody for that matter. Socialism depends upon collective theft to survive. And it's basically a Ponzi scheme. Right. So, but our intent here in, in Boise is, uh, is, is what I'm finding is that trying to find like-minded people uh, it's been even difficult just to fill, uh, uh, you know, get a roommate that actually thinks on the same page as we do. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we have to get to some point where, in you know, important doctrinal matters where we do agree, but there's ones we probably never will, but to learn to how to fellowship anyway, because uh, the, the Lord is, is, I won't say stuck with all of us, but we're his family. <laughs> we all have our own hang, we all have our own hang-ups and stuff. And he tolerates all of us and still sees what we are going to become. And I think he wants us to learn that as well. And, and you know, this is much like the koinonia that I read about in the early church in the book of Acts, uh, that they wanted to be together. Uh, and I, re- I read a little bit about s- some of your experiences in that house briefly, about the quality time that you have to even discuss these issues, where you actually have time to sit and, and discuss, share each other's ideas, maybe a little debate. And all of that is healthy as long as people keep the proper attitude and respect for each other um, because we don't have much time in this society to do things like that. And so uh, putting ourselves in a point where we can interact like that I think is critically important. Uh, you, you all are also very supportive of homeschooling too. Uh, that wouldn't be the first time that would be mentioned on our show. Yeah. Um, what, what's the other critical point? I, th- I think I can imagine why, but briefly why is homeschooling such a critical part of this personal secession? Frank, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny um, because uh, you know, we do almost everything at home, and and uh, it's, our family has become um, very home centric, if you will. As God has re- revealed this to us, I, I work from home. Of course, my wife stays at home, and and we we have homeschooling. And um, obviously, I think the obvious reason is. Um, if you look at what's going on in America, and there's been, of course, many books written by by um, uh, folks about uh, the dumbing down of America, what's going on in, in, in the public school, um, you realize that uh, you have to come to and this is what the Lord's really um, burdened my heart about, you have to come to a point in place of decision where you're going to choose um, to live for the Lord. And I'm not I'm not just talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, abstain, abstaining from sin and other fleshly lusts. Um, uh, those are obvious and should be obvious to anybody who's a Christian. But um, you have to look at the world around you, and when the world around you starts to go completely, uh, you know, slant against the fundamentals of the, against all that makes you a Christian, against all that that our, our Lord and Savior uh, taught us through his word, then you have to take a stand. And, and fundamentally, anyone who looks at the, the current public school system and what's going on in the classroom and the obvious uh, agenda, I'll, I'll say, uh, uh, and, I, and, and there's a lot more to be said about that, uh, to, to destroy our children, uh, both in a, a mental capacity and their ability to reason, the, um, 
critical thinking skills, but also spiritually, um, and 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 uh, to alienate them from the parents, to uh, to to give them a status mindset. Uh, you know, to me, homeschooling is the very first uh, step anyone can take on uh, personal secession, and and along with that, it's also fulfilling the greatest responsibility that God has given us as parents towards our children, and that that responsibility should not be handed off uh, to to the school or even the private school or the Christian school, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I guess one could say I'm probably supportive of your case, given the fact that on the side of the future mobile, I have a picture of a teacher uh, with has a book in her hand called Public School Indoctrination, and there's a string attached with a demon behind her pulling it. So I, I, I guess it's pretty clear where I stand on that. Uh, you know, it seems to me that if you go back and you study your history books, you find a number of these private foundations that had very non-Christian extremist views of social engineering that made it very explicit that they wanted to take over a public school system as the primary means of preparing society for adopting their ungodly positions. Mm-hmm. And that was their first step, and they said it'll take a couple generations, but then we can, and of course, things like uh, Charles Darwin and other things that occurred assisted them Kinsey. in that. Yeah. Kinsey, African. But um, that helps them get their political agenda in, they have now raised these children that are now adults that, like you say, have a status view. They don't understand individual liberty. They don't understand personal responsibility to God or absolute truth. Uh, they understand what the media tells them is right and wrong and what famous celebrity figures tell them are issues. So uh, I, I would agree with you that uh, if we have a long-term future and if the Lord tarries, that uh, schooling our children and getting them to be able to understand the fundamental truths uh, of this world and absolute truth, you know, as we know revealed by, by Christ, is the key uh, to solve the rest of these issues that we have. Now, you all believe in house churches, uh, and you contrast it to the Roman statist pattern uh, for government-registered churches. Can you mention real quickly why you feel like that's very important? Yeah, I'd like to hand this one off to Robert. His call to up, but he's right here. Okay. Yeah, I, I had a small technical difficulty with my uh, line. We can correct that over an advertisement break. <laughs> uh, I uh, first got uh, uh, into a home church in, in 2003 in the Placerville, California area. Uh, uh, Richard Otterstadt and his sons and uh, some of their neighbors up in the Placerville, California area were uh, conducting house church. They were uh, impressed by the book that uh, Steve Ackerson wrote. Uh, called Ecclesia. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see that on you can see that one on New Testament Restoration Foundation dot com. They're basically arguing for churches that are that have no five hundred one c three tax exempt status. You know that was dreamed up by uh, Lyndon Johnson when he was still in the House of Representatives years ago. And as as a pretty much a Marxist influenced kind of guy, he uh, wanted uh, you know a muzzle on the church because he was beaten in some of his. Uh, uh, early political campaigns by effective uh, churches preachers, preaching against him and his policies. And uh, so he, he sought the 501c3 tax exempt status to also to, uh, to uh, muzzle the church, which has done a great job of doing. Uh, it also preaches, uh, you know, don't have a building, uh, conduct your church services in, you know, either rental properties or, or your, uh, uh, your people's houses to uh, keep the uh, 
overhead down and to be closer to the New Testament model. That's the idea being that we practice church in a little bit more of a New Testament way. Uh, a, a lot of them are even eschewing uh, clergy in favor of elder leadership because there's been yeah. so much doctrine. Yeah. There's so much tr- doctrinal trouble out of the uh, seminaries and so many of the denominations uh, where a lot of these doctrinal problems start is in, in seminaries when, when they get pseudo-intellectual. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all it is. That's all it is. It's a pretense of intellectuality because truth lines up with intellect, you know, and, that, and, and falsehood does not. It apparently does not. But, uh, uh, and so we found this to be a very a powerful platform to speak out into the community uh, you know, there's a tremendous amount of support in the greater Bay Area, Sacramento, San Francisco, Oakland, for things like, uh, you know, abortion and uh, the homosexual agenda. And this church was a very powerful platform and a, and a very cohesive Christian community to, to speak out against that with graphic signs and graphic sign vehicles and, and street preaching. And as you start looking up, Church of the Divide on uh, .org on the uh, internet. Uh, they've been so busy lately they haven't updated their web, but you can see what has been going on up to a couple of years ago on it. And they, you know, if you if you look that up on newspaper word searches, you'll see that this church of about no never more than twenty, and often down to four or five people, had an enormous influence on all of Northern California. And what what they found out was we didn't even know this when we started doing it. There was a community of tens of thousands of Russian, Ukrainian, and Romanian Pentecostals and Baptists who'd been living there for 20 years quietly and were really concerned about these, these evil agendas and didn't know what to do. And when they saw Church of the Vi being active, they got all revved up. And what you never hear about in the news reports is when they did the first uh, pro-Sodomite uh, uh, march in Sacramento, not San Francisco, but Sacramento, in 20 years, which is the state capital, 800 of those people were alongside Richard Honorstad. You know, and, and, and the sods could not believe it. You know, I thought this, this is why, you know, this is just one reason. This church has continued to flourish and grow in all kinds of directions. People that are both, uh, Calvinist and Anabaptist are piling into it now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been an incredible blessing spiritually. These people are, you know, facing each other with all kinds of profound issues, understanding that they all are brothers in the faith. And, uh, it's just, it's, I, you know, George Barna, who's the Harris pollster of Christendom uh, in the United States, says that uh, this has been an incredible move of people out of the 501c3 churches and into home church in this country. Wow. And we think this fits in excellently with Christian Exodus. There are very exciting and dynamic things that are going on in this church in this country right now. And uh, Jesus said, uh, you know, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that's one of the foundational core. Jesus gave us ways to do culture war. When you can't, when you're bogged down and you can't be effective politically, you can still reach out culture what evangelism and discipling is. And this is, we've seen this to be the most powerful venue to uh, affect that. Well, you know, just, just a few things that come to mind to me of what I see some advantages in house churches uh, are having grown up in church, uh, I've seen that usually one of the big problems almost every time when you have problems in the church relates to money. Uh, money for facilities, money for paying this person or that, or whatever it is, what are you purchasing for the grounds, that kind of thing. And and money gets to be sort of the root, not of not only of all evil, love of all evil, but even in it's just doing the Lord's work sometimes. Um, and we're finding churches are building bigger and bigger and bigger platforms, and the overwhelming majority of their money is to keep their own grounds and property going. 
rather than going out into the mission field or, or, or even helping in their own communities. And so I think if you take the money equation out of it, and also let's just admit it, a lot of these facilities and buildings, uh, I, I think some people believe in their own way that these fancy buildings give glory to God, and I'm not challenging their belief, but I think there's got to be some measure of pride for a lot of people. And what, they're able, to, what yeah. they're able to show to the community, well, look, tons of people are coming here. We have high rollers. We have a lot of fancy uh, places here. And I don't think any of that has to do with the Lord's work whatsoever. Uh, and, and on the other side, if, if a persecution that Tom and I think is coming is going to be here soon, it's much, much harder to suppress a house church. A, a, a thriving house church community across the country mm-hmm. than, than a few set buildings where if if they padlock the doors, if everybody just gives up, then that's a very easy way to suppress the church unless you have a thriving virtual underground church in individual homes just focusing on the word and on ministry. Am, am, am I getting the picture correct there? Yes. Okay. Um now, uh, there's a, f- a few other things that I found very interesting in some of your uh, your uh, positions that people might not understand immediately and would have to sort of think about and meditate on, on the purpose. One of them is this whole idea about unlicensed marriage. Uh, can you explain more fully what's your rationale and why you consider that uh, another good compor- component of this personal secession? Well, the state has lost all moral authority to say what is marriage and not. That's part of what inspired us to start Christian Exodus is this whole idea of gay marriage. They're calling marriage uh, something that is not they – just, they have no authority in this sphere, and they, they have no legitimacy in, in saying what is marriage. And we need to focus on what God calls marriage. We need to get back to, to chastity and sanctity of marriage, not what um, – a lot of Christians today can get by with. There's a lot of divorce and remarriage going on, and the pastors are just fine with it because these are their biggest donors. Why? Because maybe they feel guilty about it or whatever, but they've got a sanction from the state, so it must be okay. Well, now gays can get a sanction from the state. Who knows what the state will give sanction to tomorrow? But we need to focus on what God has called marriage and ignore these uh, perverts in government authority who think they can issue a license to this or that and, and call evil good. Well, can, can I have a comment on this? Um, and, and a lot of our listeners may not agree with me, and you all may not agree with me on this on this issue. But um, I think part of the problem here is, is part of the actions of the evangelical church in that they have been ones that's most aggressively fought to make marriage a state issue. Uh, when they had the political debates, this last presidential campaign, and gay marriage came up, Ron Paul uh, had a had an answer that perplexed and infuriated a lot of evangelicals, and it made complete sense to me. And basically what he said about the issue of gay marriage is, is that marriage should not even be a state issue to begin with. It is a sacred institution that is a spiritual institution, and that uh, we should not lift it to a state and voluntarily give it over to the state to regulate because if this if it is a purview of the state the state is not going to play favorites of people of different convictions we know we are people uh, of the lord we are the body of christ we have we voluntarily take that yoke uh in commitment of following the lord and with that becomes 
what we believe is the, his demands and also what we think is what's best for the community. But we voluntarily take that yoke. So when we when we take marriage under the bonds uh, of that mutual covenant and commitment, then we can completely and fully define it as we see the Lord tells us and reveals us to it. Um, do you have any comments on that about what what the church has done to actually compound the problem by making it a state issue? I just, yeah, I just uh, if I could just make a quick comment. What we're talking about is the true definition of the separation of church and state. Uh, the church uh, has uh, its own government, and those uh, things that are particular to the church uh, must remain with the church. Any time the state tries to uh, uh, take over an area. Uh, the garden, as uh, Jefferson wrote in his letter to the Danbury uh, Baptist, I believe it was, that's the true definition of separation of churches. Keep the state out of what is God's holy ground. And uh, because what the state will inevitably do is try to subvert and eventually pervert it, which it has. Right. Well, here's the challenge I have. And again, you may not agree with me, nor many of our listeners, but I, to me, I think the church has been in some ways its own worst enemy. By, by foisting this on the state, uh, yeah. making it a state affair, and then expecting the state to do anything other than what states do, which is Amen. trying to represent everyone in their constituency. Uh, and so by making a state issue, it's, it's like, you know, render to Caesar what's Caesar and God what's God's. And you cannot serve two masters. And I think the church has decided they want the state to be the master over marriage rather than God as indicated through his church. So when they do that, the state has almost no choice because of its jurisdiction to provide something for everyone. And so I think what we should be doing, is, you know, if the state has their civil unions and their other kind of things, you know, the, the profane does what the profane do. But we need mm -hmm. to separate and build a wall of separation of what we understand as sacred marriage away from the activities of the state. And that's very, very different than your typical evangelicals. They will fight tooth and nail to make the state reflect what their personal convictions are. When, I, to me, I think that's a non-starter, and I think it's a wrong way to actually, you know, cr create the kind of environment that I think the Lord wants. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom. Soon, not going to be here because he's going to be out of Babylon. Although Babylon, is this Babylon? Is that what you're saying? Is that why you're living here? I'm not saying here? this is Babylon. I'm just saying I'm going to be out. I'm going to be gone somewhere else. To parts unknown. Yeah. Bionic. Bionic. Okay. Um, again, another challenging section of our discussion with our friends at Christian Exodus. Mm -hmm. uh, they gave some specifics. I went through some of the ones on their list about tangible lifestyle changes to get yourself out of the influence of the state and mm -hmm. its tyranny over the day-to-day -day affairs of your life and your family. Yes. And uh, I think they offer that as a challenge to us. Indeed. Um, the whole, uh, I, I believe it was uh, Robert talking about the Church of the Divide and this house church that ended up being, you know, pretty right. dramatic. Right. You know? Well, I wish we had more time to talk. We've yeah. got some more tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But here's Merv to let you know how you can contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet 
and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we've got just a few seconds. Let's hit it. Okay, come back for the next third section. It gets more and more interesting. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Getting out of Babylon. Oh, yes, Bionic. Okay. Added it a little extra there. A little well, I didn't want it to be the same as last week. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you again today. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to have today our third installment of our interview with Keith Humphrey and other representatives of uh, the Christian Exodus Group, mm-hmm. talking about the latest techniques and initiatives by Christians to get out of Babylon. And uh, this is a very challenging show. Um, you're, th- these gentlemen are, maybe have certain convictions as far as the extent of getting involved in civil government or how strong we should impose our values on other folk or what we should do in regions or whatever. All of you are going to have some different views. But you, but you have to give somebody their due when they're taking their convictions and they're taking lifestyle changes consistent with their convictions and what the Lord lays on their heart. You know, and that's one of those things that I, I, uh, yeah, they're just awesome. Well, and, and I read I the, go on, the list on their website of personal secession activities, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of those things are healthy, affirming, strengthening, sure. liberating activities. Indeed. Very life-affirming. Uh, so much so that um, I'm feeling affirmed. You're feeling affirmed? I'm feeling affirmed. Well, you know, we talked about some pretty challenging things about unlicensed marriage, unlicensed churches. Mm-hmm. That was very good. Christians are so trained to see federal government endorsement of things as legitimate that immediately Christians get worried about that. Sure. Like there's something wrong because it's not been state certified. It's interesting to see just how far the degree of socialization has happened, uh, not just with Christians, but the body at large, Mm -hmm. but certainly with Christians, you know. Uh, I don't know if I find it myself. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I totally. sense that feeling of like, oh, oh well, look out. And it's like, well, why does the state have to Did be? Did you in ever this? see that? Did you see that uh, that guy who had the open, who had the uh, the open carry law there in Arizona? You mean brought the gun? Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, yeah. well, not everybody, but a lot of people. Some no. people were really freaking out. He's like, it's my legal right. A whole lot of and people like, freaked oh. out, including conservative people freaked out. Yeah. When the fact is. He's exercising a law that we have freely. Yeah, he's like, this is my, right. this is the law under the under the state. And the question we should be asking is, why are we getting freaked out over someone exercising a freedom that's already lawful? Yeah. So, with no further ado, we need to get to our discussion with uh, Keith Humphrey and the groups from Christian Exodus talking about the latest techniques and initiatives by Christians to get out of Babylon, and we'll be back to discuss it here on Future Quake. We are the same way with education or social welfare. The state says, this church says the state, here, take care of this for us because it's too expensive, and the state takes care of it the way the state takes care of it. So definitely, when they say, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, well, this isn't Caesar's, okay? Marriage is an institution God created, and it's something, it's within the church's domain. So we reject the idea that the state is sovereign over marriage. Though it is a public institution, and it should be recognized publicly, 
as a civil institution. So, you know, we think the church should proclaim that and the, and the state should listen rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, uh, related to that talk you just had is, a, is another uh, issue that that would be the I guess the same kind of category I think where where basically the state has stepped forward. You mentioned education. The church has retreated, so the state has stepped forward. Another one is this health care issue, which is the big oh, major, yeah. the big major debate we have right now as of the time of this recording, where everyone is looking to the state and saying, look, somebody's got to do something. There's so many people without insurance. People don't have catastrophic coverage. You hear horrible stories. And, and the thought that goes through my mind is we have other institutions in society of people that can actually address this problem without politicizing an issue like the state solving it. You know, we have institutions like, you know, the Roman Catholic Church has lots of millions of members. How come they're not providing it for their people? How come uh, Protestants, evangelicals are not stepping forward and providing it for their people? What, what, whatever these groups are. Isn't this another area? And I know you actually refer to that in part of your personal succession with this idea of health care sharing. Where I, oh, actually, yeah. You don't um, avoid that happening. issue either. Okay. Yeah, tell us about that. We want to hear a success story on the health care after all the terrible stuff in the news. <laughs> no tell us no, somebody who knows what Okay. Well, tell us about it. Yeah, well, you know, I had a corporate health plan here in Oregon, and uh, the, the state passed a law that said you have to cover birth control, including abortifacient birth control. And so I had to withdraw and forfeit my, my uh, health insurance because I wasn't going to support that. And I, and I can't support abortion either, which is another thing that Obama wants to subsidize. So I joined this uh, Samaritan Ministries, which is health cost sharing. It's not insurance, but it's a group of Christians that are agreed to share their costs. And every month I send a share to somebody else, you know, in some other part of the country who has a need. And they just they publish the need. And they say, you know, so-and-so broke his leg. Send him a check for such-and-such. And so I write him a check and send it to him. And it wow. doesn't even go to a central institution. It just goes to this other guy. And there are tens of thousands of people all over the country joining these networks. There's a, there's MediShare, Samaritan Ministries, and, and there's, a, there's a couple others that are trying to do this. And it's really working. Of course, well, because you're not subs- – you know how people waste with health insurance? Oh, I've got insurance to cover. I'll just go in and – do this and that test and whatever. This thing, people are very sensitive. They don't want to burden it because they know it's just other people like themselves. It's not mm-hmm. some institution that they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna bleed dry. So people are are trying to burden it as less as they can, and they live healthy lifestyles. You know that right. you're not you're not engaging in sexual morality or legal drug use or a lot of this stuff that characterizes people in in mainstream civilization. So um. It's really very effective, and it's even cheaper. <laughs> it's less expensive wow. because you have people that care about their health, and they're they're eating right, they're exercising, they're taking care of their bodies. They're not trashing them like uh, others have been known to do. See, this is what I'm talking about, liberty. This is liberty in action. What you're doing are like-minded people that, you know, it, it, it's funny. Your system, I don't see any place for a politician in there. I don't see any opportunity to politicize an issue or to grease the palm of a corporate uh, pharmaceutical company or, or some hospital taxed, or whatever. It can't be controlled, so it's the government's just, not going to dig it. It's people <laughs> meeting a need with each other. There's yeah, no, there's no really overhead. Amazing, there's no overhead involved. It's exactly what the Lord wanted all along in the picture in the book of Acts we see. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody's wringing their hands on TV with all of these town hall meetings about how do we solve this health care. And everybody's got their hand in somebody's pocket. 
and they can't figure out a solution to, to solve this. And what you just described are a bunch of people that decided together that they were going to come to their senses and do something just for the betterment of their individual families. And, and the beauty of it, because I see the state saying, well, that's okay. We're going to come up with our own control system, and we're going to tax you to pay for it. Well, if you put into practice your other kinds of activities, it further minimizes their ability to come around and exploit your resources for their purposes. M more of your resources stay within community, correct, by adopting yes. all of these activities? Yes. Okay. So, so, so really there are several different ways that you're able to express your liberty and to minimize uh, their conniving influences to do their own their own bidding and their own purposes of people that they answer to. Well, you know, we'd like to have some more information on that uh, health care sharing and to spread the news some more, if you don't mind, and uh, get that out to some more people. Okay, well, there's three main organizations. There's uh, Samaritan Ministries, which mm -hmm. you can find online, SamaritanMinistries.org. There's Christian Care MediShare, which is, is quite a large organization. And there's another Christian Healthcare Ministries. Those are the three main ones that I've been able to find. That um, you can you can sign up with them, and they have a they have a kind of elaborate screening process. They maybe want a letter from your pastor or house church leader or something like that, and uh, they want to make sure that you're not just milking their system. But uh, I found it to be very rewarding. Yeah. Well, we need to, we, we need to make these other activities are doing obsolete, and this is what what our whole Future Quick show is about is coming up with creative solutions like this. You, you know, a, well, the thing is, is they, they're going to they're going to try to shut it down because right. you know those who live by terror hate freedom, and they're going to hunt us down and say no freedom here, stamp it out. You know, you got to get a government health care card or something like that. Well, in which case, I don't know what we're going to do. There'd be a big black market for medical care. I'm yeah, sure. you're going to have to have people of like mind, including doctors, you know, who are willing to, to do this at risk. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute here. You know, of those of the body of Christ who believe that Scripture teaches about the Lord's personal return, uh, many get fixated on the wars in the Middle East or, or who the Antichrist is. And you hear a lot of this talk in evangelical circles. What, what, what I realized recently is that Scripture only gives us three general exhortations uh, from what I reflect about as far as our responses should be to what might be the last days. And one is to be watchful for his return and be aware for his signs. Two, to be aware of false teaching and deception in the church. And three, to get out of Babylon and to not be partakers of her sins, which is what we're specifically commanded to do in Revelation 18. Are these actions that you're describing in your group sort of a means of the process of getting out of Babylon, which includes what I believe is the organized and centralized economic and monetary, religious, and civil systems that they established then in Babylon and seem to have their legacy today? Yeah, it starts with the spiritual realm. You have to, in your heart, transfer your, your true allegiance to Christ, and then all this other stuff can follow as you, as you strive to sanctify yourself and, and purge yourself from, from uh, all these uh, ways of bondage. But think about ancient Babylon. They had Nebuchadnezzar sets up the golden image, and he says, bow down or die. That's when they really smoked out the people. They were there. I mean, the Christians were, the true believers were there living among the um, the people, and we as Christians are among other American citizens, but when they say bow down or die, that's when we stand in defiance, and we're practicing our stance of defiance right now in any way we can. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, again, it's, it's a command of the Lord in Revelation 18 to get out of Babylon. I'll leave it up to every listener to decide how they're faithfully fulfilling that command. 
But uh, that's what I interpreted when I saw your work is that uh, you're taking seriously all of you in your own way and with your own individual convictions an attempt to get out of the Babylon system, which, which is actually a, a system that will bind people. It is a yoke of slavery, whether it's economic, religious, whatever it is. Uh, are, are, are you all familiar with the Dominionist movement within Christianity? Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't know if this is something in which we may have agreement or not, uh, in, which is fine uh, if we don't. Uh, but as I understand the Dominionist movement, it seeks to usurp the power of the state to exploit its coercive power to force people uh, to live by the morality and the rules of the kingdom of God, including unbelievers. Um how do you all fall on what you're calling as from the Lord as far as um, spiritually and by moral lifestyle and by lawful means to encourage, promote the law of Christ here versus uh, a coercive power over unbelievers to do this? I know this gets to be sort of a, a gray area uh, where, where things cross over regarding natural law and things like that. But what are your all's thoughts and perspectives on this? Well, there's many complex factors here in eschatology and various beliefs. There are members, Christian Exodus members, who, who would call themselves Dominionists or Christian Reconstructionists, and uh, they have a more optimistic eschatology. They believe, you know, eventually uh, the world will be Christianized and we will have uh, God's law applied in every area of life. Well, uh, most of us in Christian Exodus are more of a remnant mentality where we believe that, that only a remnant will be saved while, the, while most of the people fall into apostasy. But in either way, God doesn't call us to govern over the unwashed heathen by force. He calls us to govern ourselves, and that's where we need to start. But we can govern ourselves in every area of life. We can deal with our own finance. We can issue our own currency. We can deal with our own laws. We can, we can have our own sheriff. We can... Um, enforce our own system of justice. We can have our own judges and our own police officers within our communities. We're not trying to tell other people what to do in some other state. If the people in Vermont want to secede from the Union and have gay marriage, well, we wash our hands of it. We don't want to have anything to do with it. At the same time, let us secede from the Union and have our own system in place at whatever level we can. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess the, here's the crux of the matter, I guess. Regardless of, of how aggressive you might be, and taking communities in specific geographies and making this a domain that lives under godly rule, uh, do you believe that people have the right to voluntarily submit themselves uh, within communities to those who are of like conviction to do that? Is, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, the idea is that everything is voluntary because we're dealing with this generation. We're not talking about um, you know trying to hold a system in place, an institution and pass it down. Uh, now, maybe if we reach that point, we'd have to deal with more of this. How do we deal with our children who no longer wish to follow our faith? But we are uh, a voluntary movement. We're dealing with people already of like mind. Mm -hmm. We don't need to force other people to follow our ways. All we need to do is come together. All we need to do is migrate and come to one place and work things out among ourselves. We don't need to convert more people. We don't need to force people to do things our way. We just need to detach ourselves from them and organize in our own communities and counties and, and states. Okay. But you're not advocating that you would uh, take over people who don't share your convictions, who might be just presiding your geography and sort of force them to, to come under your particular moral convictions, correct? 
Well, yeah, of course we would want to do things that they wouldn't be comfortable with, and we hope that they would voluntarily withdraw themselves from our sphere of influence. Say we had a county and we said, okay, you know, we don't really want to tax people's property and use it to pay for government schools. You know, we, we just think we'll cut that out. And there's a bunch of socialists that they start squawking and they say, no, no, we want, we want, okay, well, that's fine. Go to the other, go to the other county, go to the other state. Right. We're not uh, going to force you to live by our rules. But if you don't like it here, don't expect us to live by yours. But whether I mean, if if you're in a state role, and by the way, I'm I'm fully in support of Christians uh, engaged in every segment of society, including state office, uh, as long as you do it in a way that that is in accordance with the golden rule. But you know, the example you just cited about uh, you know reducing the size of government to to actually endorse other things that is a traditional founding father constitutional position. Uh, we've gotten away from that. All you're doing is restoring it in that respect. And if those people want to support certain kind of things amongst their own group and themselves, they're at liberty to do that, correct? Sure. It, when, where government is necessary, we believe it should be as local as possible. And mm-hmm. so if we get down to, say we get down to the very uh, school district level, and mm-hmm. somebody says, well, you know, we want a big, fat Orwellian school district, and we, and we want no <laughs> district at all. Right. Well, that's fine. You you deal with your district there, and we can do things voluntarily. And if there is choice, if people can choose which school to go to or not, maybe uh, maybe they could just you know have a, a voucher where they're 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 they only have to pay taxes for public schools if they're sending their kids to that school or something like that. Right. Well, you know, a lot of our listeners are probably furrowing their brow, mulling all this over, trying to digest it, and you know that's good. Because people need to think and come to their own conclusions. The problem is they're not even challenged. Even in most yeah. Christian radio, they're not even challenged to get their arms around these philosophical issues and how our commitment to Christ influences the way we live in the world around us in these matters. And, and not every Christian has to come to the same endpoint of their conviction. But, but these things need to seriously be considered. And then when you come to your convictions, you need to put feet on them like you have. Put your shoes on and take action based upon what your conviction is on this. I think many people would would embrace the majority of the things that you're talking about here. Um, Now, there's another side of a coin to what you're talking about. I I think you've probably picked up a a large degree of of a sympathetic uh, position from me uh, regarding what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, But there would be some who might argue, and I could see some point, in that if we geographically separate ourselves and cloister ourselves, uh, where we're people of you know like conviction and people who who have an agreement and covenant together to live under these certain lifestyles, we still also have another call that Christ gave us to fulfill His commandment uh, regarding the Great Commission, where we've actually got to intersperse ourselves and to share the good news. Uh, so okay, if we, well, if we, I think that's a common misconception about what it means to be salt and light. You talk to disperse yourselves. Well, you know, salt and light. Yeah. Deluded and dim by being cast abroad in the streets for everyone to trample underfoot. Jesus said it's a city on a hill. That means people coming together, reaching that critical mass where your community, that's where you can most affect the transformation of society when you're coming together in a concentrated area like that. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a thousand points of light, everybody, uh, you know, doing their corporate job and, and smiling as they do it and waiting, waiting for people to ask them why they smile so much. Oh, it's because Jesus loves me. No, it's where people get together and they form their own corporations. They they transform society in in mass. Okay. Well, um, I, I hear what you're saying on that, 
But, uh, you know, there would be some Christians that would say we still um, have to reach out to people uh, who are different than us and somehow have some degree of contact so we can share the good news. Uh, certainly the the apostles did. You know, they were dispersed away from Jerusalem and away from the church there. In fact, even God sent persecution to help disperse them to go to other parts. Now, the thing was, wherever they were dispersed to, they still had community within their small groups, with their house, their home fellowships, like you talked about, areas like this where they were able to have a bond of, of common fellowship and conviction to energize themselves. But, but in the workplace and other kind of places, wherever it was, market, they still had some contact with, pe- with people to be able to uh, win souls. Uh, is there still an accommodation in those of your conviction to still have some interaction uh, to share with those who still need to hear the word of God and be converted? Because all of us were at that state at some point in our life. Uh, is there still a venue to be able to accomplish that mission? Sure, that's a common misconception. Christian Exodus doesn't seek to wall itself off in some compound and, and isolate itself from the world. No, we seek to come together and go out and transform the world. I'm sorry, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, uh, uh, Keith, that, that uh, this, when this country was first started, we had, uh, that was the whole concept of having different communities. People had, you know, the Anabaptists got together in one town, and uh, the Calvinists got together in another town, and so forth. So, uh, and there was always interaction, there's roads going between towns, and, and there's, you know, people can go out and uh, and be missionaries and going out and disciple people. So, yeah, I what Keith said was, you know, there's no intention whatsoever of, of drawing the wagons in a circle. It's actually just coming together uh, for unity and strength that we may go out and, and and preach the gospel, that we would have a solid base from which to do that. Okay. Any any of the other guys there have any comments on this? Well, Frank? Hopefully Frank's still with us there. Um I recognize that that is a challenging position to manage because a lot of the things that you've proposed here, which are healthy things that would propose a healthy daily lifestyle, are things that need to have a connected group, sort of an inward group, to sustain it. And I think that's completely fine. Uh, And to me, there's a real balance in doing that and at the same time being able to still have some contact with the world that needs to hear the word of the Lord and, uh, you know, if I'm understanding you correctly, you acknowledge it as well, too. Uh, and I think that's one of those kind of things that probably, you know, we all need to be together and praying about how the Lord can give us the best opportunities to do that uh, and, and to still do that. I think when people see a thriving, loving community, too, that's that's very attractive for people, too. So, um, you know, there's a lot of ways we could see ways to accomplish this. But I sure think that's something maybe we need to, all all of us, do a little bit more thinking about and seeing how we can accommodate those kind of things together. Uh, you know, you mentioned um, earlier about the things with the health care, that the federal government would try to take some kind of techniques to head you all off at the pass. And if it grows big and if it really catches on, because it is very appealing, and I think it's somewhat self-evident, some of the things you say, the federal government will attempt to circumvent some of these approaches. Um, how do you plan to address that eventuality? Well, whenever they they tighten their grip, they find that there's more that slips through their fingers. And what the government says they control and what they do control are two different things. So you look in the past, socialist dictatorships always fail. And when they try to control and manage the economy, 
what happens is there's black markets spring up everywhere. And pretty soon, uh, you know, corruption is rampant and anything can be had for a price. Well, we would welcome that kind of uh, decentralization of economic interest. And we believe that that's going to start happening very soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's already started. All right. Yeah, I, I, I uh, like like you mentioned in the health care, you know, they'll try to come up with something to cut off your ability to access to things like hospitals or, or other kind of things. And it's going to be a constant challenge. You know, we, we have regulation of food with this Codex Alimentarius about uh, controlling even locally grown food and things. So they will be relentless in trying to find creative ways to stop people who are well-meaning and not even willing to change what other people are doing to just mind their own business and do their things. They, they will never stop because their heart is set on tyranny. So I would think this would be something that a good part of your energy uh, could be spent on is being able to anticipate what their moves will be and to prepare plan B, you know, in each of these areas that we mentioned about of secession. Well, yeah, and it, it, go ahead. Yeah, I would just add that uh, the, the health care issue is concerned. Uh, I think we, we would uh, ask the, the audience and, and uh, people around us who are physicians, nurses, physicians' assistants, uh, uh, you know, down to massage therapists who are Christian, to consider uh, if somebody is, in, uh, for example, injured, uh, to consider uh, taking them on uh, without the traditional health insurance and that they would be reimbursed by other Christians. And that, that would be almost like somewhat being a missionary. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're a missionary to fellow Christians uh, to be able to do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's going to be a time when the government clamps down where we're going to have to make decisions to put ourselves at risk. Uh, not that we're trying to purposely be lawless or anything like that. But uh, just like when, when people were hidden in people's attics during World War II to protect them from being confiscated, uh, we're going to have to make decisions eventually at some point like that. And... Uh, because the state, again, does not want to leave free people alone because they, they show the glaring tyranny uh, that they do. They're, they're examples that, that prove the rule. So uh, I, I think we need to be prepared for that. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, I'm out. Bionic. You're out. Well, of Babylon, that is. I think you were impressed, as I was, with the these novel health sharing, healthcare sharing. Yes, there was, there was, uh, what was there? There was Samaritan Ministries. And then Christian Care MediShare, and then Christian Healthcare Ministries, uh, and they they seem to be just sort of like generally a co-op of mm-hmm. other Christian folks who are um, starting to get out of Babylon. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right. Although I would say if you're if you're doing this, you're probably a good way out of Babylon without any government help. Not, not our government yeah. saviors aren't there to figure out our yeah. societal problems for us. Yeah. yeah. So that they're made Take irrelevant. I, I'd just like to make a comment, too, for any of our listeners who may get a little concerned about, well, you know, some of these things sound almost sort of dominionist, sympathetic in activities. And I'm not going to. Well, I'm not going to put words in these guys' mouth as far as, like, their desire to take over local government and reflect their convictions and things like that. Every citizen has a right to be affiliated with other people that share their views. Um, but we also have to. Re- uh, uh, actually see the rights that everyone else has, too, and make sure mm-hmm. their individual minority rights are preserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I respect their opinions and, and how they're going about doing it, but what I really respect is the reason that they're they're putting their thoughts into action, and that's what I appreciate. Indeed. And I need to put my thought of having Mervin into action. Merv, would gonna... you tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake? 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got like eight seconds. Oh, I thought you were going to say, speaking of somebody who has no rights, Murph, would you come oh, on in and tell He's the right guy to me. I, we've got to go, but come back tomorrow for the last section. Uh, until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, out of Babylon. You're already out of Babylon? Congratulations. I'm actually phoning this in. I'm in my new place. You don't have a Federal Reserve dollar in your wallet? No, I don't. Really? Okay. Congratulations. But ladies and gentlemen, it's wonderful to be with you today. Uh, We're going to have our last installment, our fourth one, with uh, Keith Humphrey and other representatives of the Christian Exodus Group talking about the latest techniques and initiatives by Christians to get out of Babylon. And these are some some gentlemen who have taken some significant personal steps in their families' lives to minimize the government, the state's influence in their personal lives, in their their way of working, their way they conduct their education, their worship, their their way of business. And, And their opinions, while you may not embrace all of them, they will challenge you, and I bet you a lot of what they do will make sense. It'd be interesting to see them, like, mint their own coins. Wouldn't that be neat? It would be cool, yeah. You know what? How about the four guys on our show have, like, a Mount Rushmore kind of thing cut into rock? <laughs> hey, guys, I'm not making fun of you. I just thought that'd be cool because I think yeah, you're sort of visionary. One day, it's guys like you all that, that generations later will look that way. Mm-hmm. We'll see that you all are the ones that really started the process. So mm-hmm. that's my contribution to the movement. There you go. I um, think it'd be cool, man. Yeah, they talked about a lot of interesting things, of which we, we briefly touched on at the end of last show about uh, um, the relationship to the state and how do you relate to people who don't express your views mm-hmm. and the Great Commission. Uh, and that's something I think probably still needs to be talked about some more is using these techniques. Are you still actively engaged sufficiently to spread the good news to people? Well, well I mean, I'm kind of glad that they didn't just go, they didn't give the Pat Dominionist answer. We kill them. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's their answer. Yeah. Kill them or subjugate them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's something that's a mission that the Lord still gives us to do. But yet we also have a right to uh, live with people who uh, are of, of like mind to try to worship together. There you go. But we're all in subjection to Christ. That's one thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no further ado, uh, here are the uh, gentlemen from Christian Exodus uh, in our last installment. And we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. You know, I, I suspect the real key to being set apart and free like what we've talked about in this show, is, is really what happens between the ears. You mentioned about it being a spiritual thing, and, and, and I'm alluding that to as well, uh, spiritually and, and, and how we perceive ourselves, in that people need to start thinking differently about the world themselves and reality first and then put these steps into practice. Is that statement true? And if so, how can our listeners take the first baby steps to diminish their voluntary servitude to the civil and corporate state uh, in individual issues of their life? 
that's something that each person needs to work out between themselves and God. We don't tell anybody what to do. We don't tell anybody where to live or how to live. We're just a social network of, of Christians who love liberty, and we would recommend and encourage people to break the chains and, and disengage themselves and disentangle themselves from dependence upon the government and large corporations wherever they can. But really, it's, it's up to you. I mean, you have to go before God, and, 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 and if you, tr- you have to truly love Him. There's no shortcuts with God. You can't say, God, I love you, but uh, here, I'm going to go off and, uh, and, and start promoting abortion uh, by my action and you know, working for this hospital or, or, or paying this premium or whatever you do. You, you have to be sincere to the point where you can't do that anymore. And that's between you and God. You've got to work it out. Mm-hmm. But are there uh, some of these things we mentioned, some of these aspects of personal secession? Uh, homeschooling was mentioned uh, by one of you as maybe a possible first step to begin this process. Are there some other things people can do to, to begin that process, tangible kind of things to start? If you're right in the middle of the system and your 9 to 5 job and your, your finances and every aspect of your life, where, where are some things like this you can do? You, you're committed. You want to get out of it, but it's it's new to you. It's awkward. What are some small things people can do to get on that road? Well, you know, usually it's something that happens to you that knocks you out of the system, like you lose your job and you lose your house. And that's why we encourage people to join together in Liberty Houses and Liberty Farms. And that way it helps you to make a big move in the sense that living together with other Christians, you get engaged, you know, more continually There's a lot of activities going on. There's evangelistic outreach. There's different ministries that are going on. And so you're in that environment. Or if you wanted to join the Liberty Farm, it would be a big shift in lifestyle to start trying to live off the land and do all that stuff. Um, There's a lot of little things that can be done, but you have to have an overall goal in mind. I can't tell anybody what their specific situation is. Um, Homeschooling is a great step to take, but a lot of people, maybe you don't have children. Maybe your children are grown. Maybe that's not an option for you. Maybe there's something else you can just try to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. You're right. Whatever way you can. Maybe you need to sell your house. How, how about yeah, just exactly. getting out of major? I'm sorry. Uh, how about getting out of the major news media? In other <laughs> words, not listening to uh, corporate news or or you know these these corporate shows that are trying to program us. And I'm talking about just first baby steps to actually turn that stuff off. Purge yourself. Purge your system of listening to all of the lies and the programming that comes from our, our, our news cycle, even our, our cable news as well as uh, uh, regular regular news and things like this. And all of this stuff that feeds us things counter to the Word of God. Aren't those the kind of things that will help us to be able to understand the merits of these other benefits too? Well, I wouldn't know. I haven't had cable TV for many years, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, you've, you've missed so many great shows. Yeah. You know, all Dancing of, with the Stars and... Uh, celebrity dating shows and all of this uh, very constructive, yeah, useful stuff. I've never stuff seen that, a reality TV show in my life. I don't oh, know about them. But. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it, 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 it enriches one's life so much to be able to see people sniping each other over trivial, materialistic things, but... Uh, you know, may, well, maybe if it's really good. You can email me a YouTube clip, and I'll take a look at it. <laughs> there you go. We recommend people listen to nothing but their weekly Future Quake shows. That's really all the information yeah, they need to get. Just over and over and over again. Every every week is all they need to have exposure to. Um, what I think I think Paul had a comment. Paul, Paul, I'm sorry, are you there? Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. speak up as loud as you can, please. All right. Okay. 
uh, in addition to just pulling the weeds, which would be turning off the television and other things, uh, you also, by pulling the weeds, you also have to plant things. So I would encourage people to educate themselves, uh, first of all, in God's Word, uh, dive into it deep, uh, have uh, regular Bible study at your home with your children, if they're there, and mm-hmm. uh, with your neighbors, offer a Bible study, you know, get the Word out. But the other thing also is, uh, there's uh, organizations like Institute on the Constitution. That's a plug uh, for uh, that you can get a a, a very good uh, uh, lesson plan that brings you through the reason why we had uh, been given uh, a Republican form of government and how that's uh, how that constituted. And by doing things like educating yourself, you're going to be able to, it'll become automatic. You'll realize the error of your ways and and begin to repent and begin to just automatically walk out of Babylon. Okay. Hmm. I'd like to suggest something else, too. You know, I'm an inventor by by my vocation, and people ask me why, how how I come up with these inventions. And I said, you know, there's a, you turn a point in your life where you suddenly see all of these things that aren't right and, and a better way to do them. And you see them all the time before, but suddenly you become aware and you don't dismiss them. You, you stick them in your head and you think, I'm going to find a way to do this better. And it's a turning point. It's not like you had more ideas. You're just more conscious. You don't let go of them. And I think this would work in this venue too. I challenge all of our listeners from the time you get up in the morning to go to bed and do this just for, for a couple of weeks. Every action you take, stop and ask yourself, why am I doing this action? Why am I being led to watch this program? Why am I led to eat at this uh, upscale restaurant? Why am I led to do this or that or my, my choices that I make? Because I think what you'll find is a lot of our choices are led by what we hear from the Babylon media system, peer pressure, lifestyles that someone has told us everyone else is doing and living. And very little of it is done because of the wisdom of the Word of God. And if you just start doing that and, and start questioning every action you take or what its origin or the motive of that action, you'll suddenly realize how much tyranny we're really under. And we've been so bred not to even recognize we're under that tyranny. Now, you know, you gentlemen are far down that path. So you recognize that clearly you've thought it through. And a lot of this is a shock to our listeners. But I, I want to encourage our listeners to begin to do that. And I think you will be shocked at how much you are under the influence of the decisions of people in Madison Avenue Wall Street and and the whole Babylon spiritual power that's behind all of it, and, and then what we're talking about uh, today will make a lot more sense to our listeners uh, regarding that. Um, what do you think will happen to our nation, and particularly the American portion of the body of Christ, if we do not change course and begin to adopt some of the approaches that you've discussed? Well, I believe that the time has already passed and judgment has already been decreed, and it's only a matter of time before um, there will be uh, a cataclysmic change inside the United States of America, which would lead to uh, either uh, mass death or the disintegration of the United States. Uh, but that's just because of the shedding of innocent blood. It's just a natural function of the shedding of innocent blood. You can't kill 50 million babies and expect to get away with it. God can't turn a blind eye to this kind of thing. So there has to be some kind of recompense. So I don't think that even if even if everybody uh, uh, turned around tomorrow and, and, you know, even there was a thing where, um, I don't know if it was uh, King Hezekiah or, or somebody who, who in the Old Testament who said, you know, I'm going to institute all these reforms, and uh, and they, they knew because God's judgment was coming, 
And God said, I've already decreed the judgment because of, because of what King Manasseh did. Right. And, and, and so it's coming down the pike, but I will delay it so you won't see it in your years. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Hezekiah was glad because he would, he would see peace in his years. Well, we've already had the decree. Uh, we've already passed the point of no return. So I don't think we should be thinking about how are we going to save America? How are we going to fix America? How are we going to send more people to Washington, D.C.? No, we need to be thinking, how do we govern ourselves and go through the tempest? How do we rebuild from the ashes on the other side? How do we preserve Christian civilization for the next generation? For, and don't expect the American government to be in a, a partner in this endeavor. Don't, don't think of it as being in your future, mm-hmm. because uh, I don't think it has the future that... Uh, Think of the Soviet Union. People, oh, it's going to last forever. It was just like the greatest superpower. Right. No, all of a sudden it evaporated, and it was just a bunch of independent republics. I think we're going to see the same thing in America. And so Christian Exodus is an explicitly secessionist organization. We want to see people, they're allowed to go their own way, allowed to be free. And if the people in, in, uh, in California want to do things one way, we don't want to have any part of it. Let them go. And if the people in, uh, in in South Carolina let them live the, the way that they want to live, don't leave us alone. Mm-hmm. And in like manner, the people of California, just hypothetically, shouldn't have any right to have any kind of indignation about how you choose to live your lifestyle. Uh, you you are not imposing your will on them, and in turn, they should not have any kind of right to try to impose restrictions on what you do. Am I correct? Yeah. Stop taking my money to finance your wickedness. Just let, let let me alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, wh- what kind of steps are the adherents of your group taking to get this philosophy and lifestyle to spread to a larger group of people? Well, one of the things, there's already people out there who already believe these things, and people are being uh, awoken in various ways. We saw during the Ron Paul Revolution all kinds of young people coming out of the woodwork just saying they knew everything about the Federal Reserve and all this kind of stuff we've been trying to teach them for years, and they picked it up right away. They just watched something on Alex Jones' site or something. All of a sudden, they knew what they were talking about. They listened to Ed Griffin. and and uh, So our job is not so much to change people's hearts and minds as it is to organize among those who have already had their hearts and minds changed. Well, you know, a large part, and I'll even say the evangelical church, of, of which is my heritage, um, really enjoys a lot of the trappings of the materialistic world. You know, they, they dress pretty nice, they have nice churches, uh, they eat at nice places, they have a pretty comfortable lifestyle with the current system and status quo. It's not like they intentionally do that, they, they, just, they, they, they just do it without thinking. Um, what are you doing within the extending through the body of Christ? You've mentioned a lot of these people. The light bulb comes on, uh, and and there's finding ways to collect it through, you know, the Ron Paul activities and things. But Christian Exodus in particular, your mission. I mean, you have you have a website and, and some type of organization and newsletters and things. What are you doing just to expose your ideas to the church in particular? Well, I need to be really well, honest at this point. What what my friends here in Idaho are finding out, and and I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Keith, but uh, there's a number of things. I mean, wherever we go, we're talking about these issues uh, before people. Uh, but I got to be brutally honest. Our our audience with most of the mainstream church they don't want to hear is it, do they? non-existent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know this this show right now is uh, the most popular conventional Christian talk station for, for 
a lot of your main leadership denominations in the Nashville area here. And if they've, they've made the, the mistake or the opportunity, however, to turn on this radio uh, at the 4 o'clock drive time going home, they've suddenly been exposed to this and been challenged by something uh, totally counter to what they hear from their own circles. Uh, there are people that, that sort of speak all the same language and reinforce their same lifestyle beliefs, and they keep things a little, little light, not, not this heavy uh, philosophically or otherwise. So one way or the other, they at least some of them have been exposed to this now just through this show itself. These guys are like the real how to live your best life now. <laughs> yeah, that's right, the, the, the meaningful. But uh, I would just uh, challenge you all that uh, uh, while many of them would not get what you're doing, uh, they would be condescending, they would be fearful, they would paint you into being something that you're probably not, uh, and possibly just out of their own uh, their own fear themselves, um, that you need to be able to, to be patiently providing this information to them because we're finding even in our own show, while we may not be talking about these issues all the time, that we're still uh, providing an opportunity, you know, to see some of them come over. And from the emails we get and things, the light bulb is coming on, even within the traditional church. Definitely. God has a remnant everywhere. He's bringing his people out of Babylon. It's yeah. his work. We're just riding the wave. Okay. Well, what are the next steps that uh, you plan to take um, in these activities as individuals and as, as a group? Well, we're trying to organize a network of, of Liberty Houses and Liberty Farms. Somebody might consider opening up their house or, or making their farm available to be a Liberty House or a Liberty Farm where people can live together because it's more, just an, more than just an item of information that you convey. It's a lifestyle that you disciple, that you share. So... Um, we, we try to come together whatever level we can, even if it's just at, the, at a household level. Uh, we find that God works in, in, in great ways when people come together for his sake. Mm. So um, we're trying to build on that, and then from there, people get involved in a larger campaign, and the goal is a county. Um, we would like to transform, uh, have enough of people living, living with the love of God and the love of liberty in a, in a specific county that we would begin to transform the political landscape so we would be able to insulate and, and, and interpose against the federal tyranny. So if we had our own county sheriff, our own county commissioners, our own, our own city mayor, that kind of thing, and the feds say, okay, it's time for everybody to get a shot, we say, no. And they say, well, that's, you don't do that, then you know, it's time for everybody to register their ammunition and their guns or their big company. No. You know, we, we have the authority because we, we are lawful magistrates. Mm-hmm. Keith, you're not saying you would turn down your uh, lovely vaccine, would you? They're just they're just there to help you. They, Grown on the thymisorol plant. They're yeah. just trying to protect you there. Now it does have aborted baby material inside the the shot and mercury and mercury and and uh, uh, several squalene and several other things in it. But are you saying then if that if it comes to that, obviously you have a long term vision of what you're doing, but when it comes to the spot where you have people in leadership positions that get what you're talking about, will those areas in some ways become a refuge for people who um, are, are suddenly under the thumb of more well, yeah, direct tyranny? Yeah, that was tyranny? the whole idea. You know, with, with the Real ID Act, one of our members lobbied and lobbied the South Carolina legislature to nullify and refuse the implementation of Real ID, and it caught on, and the legislators listened. I mean, state legislators, some of them actually listened to what you say, and so... 
they, South Carolina came out with the strongest language in, in the nation, along with New Hampshire and Montana, that they were not going to implement Real ID. And uh, Mark Sanford, you know, before he was uh, brought down, was uh, supporting this. And he signed this law enthusiastically, and he said, we're not asking for an extension. We are not going to implement Real ID. Hmm. And so it was a big success, the story for us, because a lot of the people who were doing this lobbying were, were CE members. And uh, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. And more hmm. people would say, hey, I'd like to move to South Carolina because, you know, I don't want to give my biometric information just to drive a car. And so, hmm. uh, yeah, we're looking for people to uh, uh, accelerate the return to self-government through planned migration and like that. They can hmm. be a refuge. Yeah. Now, the people who bravely stand up to take law enforcement positions or other positions of authority, they will understand that when the crackdown really starts, they're probably going to be thrown in jail or worse, correct? When, when they offer resistance or refuse to give over names of people who, who, who have firearms or who, who even have food stored or haven't had the vaccines, they're, they're likely to be thrown in jail because, you know, they write the rules as they go. Uh, we saw from how the federal government treated Katrina that constitutional law meant nothing to them. Do, do, do you think they understand people who are considering this calling? that they'll probably be spending a good bit of time in jail or worse because of trying to serve this mission? Sure, but I don't think you understand how many people are not willing to go along with this. When people start dying, more people will say, hey, I've got nothing left to lose, and they will stand up. There are so many people that are sympathetic to this way of thinking that are in the military, that are in law enforcement, who are they going to have to enforce? Are they going to bring in the Chinese to take away our guns? Come on. I mean, they don't have enough people. They don't have enough jails. They're going to try to hurt us all into FEMA camps, but, you know, we're not going to go. So you feel like within, when if they bring in, like, the Fort Stewart military group uh, to, to enforce these activities, that there'll actually be a mutiny within those groups to refuse to use these weapons they've been given to fire on citizens, even though their whole group has been called to do that very thing? Well, it's kind of like what happened in Tiananmen Square. You know, they brought in a lot of people to crack down in Tiananmen Square, and they were shamed into re into neglecting to enforce their orders. I mean, you don't hear about this a lot in Tiananmen Square, but they sent in regular army, and regular army said, hey, these are just regular folks. Leave them alone. They they weren't ready to crack heads because these were their sons. These were their mm -hmm. daughters. These were their fellow citizens. It was only after all else failed that they called in the jackboots who, who uh, brought in the tanks and, and, and uh, crushed the, the, the people in Tiananmen mm -hmm. Square. So uh, there's a lot of people that are sympathetic, and, mm -hmm. and we are the people. You know, we have the authority to govern ourselves. We were not born mm -hmm. slaves to the state. Mm -hmm. We have God-given rights to life and to liberty. So, you know, people understand this. There, there, there's Americans out there that understand what it means to really be an American, mm -hmm. unlike these uh, imposter globalist usurpers that are, that are trying to rule over <laughs> us. Well, and I want to make clear that what we're talking about are scenarios are, are, are when federal tyranny becomes unlawful, when it's not even willing to abide by the law of the land and the Constitution, uh, and they do unlawful things. And I would sure hope that the response from you know figures in law enforcement and, and other figures would be something similar to at the time when the, when the Russian system, when the Soviet Union fell and the tanks went to move in on Parliament and you actually had a, a small number of tanks that circled the Parliament building defending the people against the tanks that were rolling in. And of course, yeah, we, we, and in Romania. I used to live in Romania. I had friends there. Okay. And pretty soon, uh, 
that all the people were out in the streets and the soldiers were like, what do we do? The snipers on the roofs, what do we do? Finally, they turned their guns around and took out Chichesco. So mm-hmm. things, things uh, found a, a, a solution, and that's yeah. a, 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 that the time could come for that. There, there's, mm-hmm. there's so many of us real people, and there's so few of the mob bots to, mm-hmm. to rule yeah. over us. Well, I need to wrap this up, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably getting very nervous. I want to reiterate to them, we're not talking about what what just discussed here, some kind of rebellion or something unlawful or violent. We're, we're talking about um, when when violent, unlawful people impose themselves on law-abiding, peaceful people, including Christians. Um, just say no. That, well, that, that, and we may be enduring the kind of scenarios and the hard decisions that Christians all over the rest of the world have already faced. They've already had to make these choices, and we're going to have these choices too about what do we do in service to the Lord and uh, as well service to each other as the Lord calls us to do too uh, and to our, our fellow citizens, our community, our children, things like this. And, uh, Keith, I want you to, to tell your, uh, your other cohorts, I'm not sure if they, they may still be with us here, but how much we appreciate their time and your time here. Yeah. Given this great. tremendous food for thought, I know a lot of our listeners, um, you know, may have issues or disputes on these kind of things, and we wouldn't all agree on a lot of things. But these kind of discussions, I hope you would agree with me, are the kind of things that we need to be doing in forums. We need to have our Christian radio and other things, not holding people's hands about how to get rich quick or, or how to feel better about yourself, but to actually wrestle around these hard, difficult matters that are life and death and have an impact on the world around us and our people and our own souls. And uh, I, I really appreciate your time to come on here and to express to people the, the convictions you have, the biblical reasons why you have them, and the why you and your cohorts have actually taken decisions to live out rather than just talk about. The, the, the positions that you have. And I want to encourage our listeners, if they're intrigued by what we've talked about, to go to your website, ChristianExodus.com, to just read and to sort of ponder, think about uh, some of your convictions and your, and your other cohorts for them to consider as well. Uh, can you tell us anything else about how our listeners could find out more about your group and work and if they choose to get involved, how they would do that? Yeah, the website's a good place to go, ChristianExodus.org. Um, there's many ways you can get involved at whatever level you feel comfortable. And uh, nobody's nobody's telling anybody what to do. Uh, nobody's telling anybody where to live or how to live. But we're just um, social networking really doing. And uh, there's other people of like mind in your area that uh, we can help you find each other. And uh, let's come together because the time is short. Okay. Brother cool. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this process too. Thank you. I hope you found it a constructive discussion where we – we tried to face these issues up front and, uh, and face them realistically and to consider doing something positive and tangible out of it. Please come back and see us again soon. Would you keep us updated on uh, how, how your activities progress further? Sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Brother Keith. Take care, and we'll be talking to you soon. And thank you so much for your visit to FutureQuake. We're back at FutureQuake with Dr. Future. And, Tom, I'm going to a Liberty House or a Liberty Farm Bionic. Did you find that pretty interesting? I did, in fact. Uh I wonder what percentage of our of our uh, Christian brothers there out in the future quake land can um, could do something like that, make it fly, either mm-hmm. turn their house into sort of a Liberty Farm or Liberty Ranch or you yours know, is yours is sort of almost like that Liberty Hydroponic, you know, right. whatever you do. I'm hoping that there's enough that it's like an underground railroad when we're on the run that we could stop 
on the run from one Liberty house to the next. The only problem is, is that so many Christians are going to be on the run. You're like, open the door. There's like 400 of us at this only. Well, I'm hoping they would sacrifice other Christians to preserve us since we're really important people in the kingdom. So much more important. Yeah. Yeah. So much critical. Speaking of important, let's bring Merv in. Okay. With no further ado, a good good transition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's Merv to tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. All right, we're out. We're really late. Come back for tomorrow's Tremors tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And this is Friday, yes. which I'll go on and ask you this to get back to tradition. What is today? It's tomorrow's tremors. Or what? Or something else. Hey, I, I will give you a satisfactory for that. Okay. It's tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news. What we do every Friday after we've had a wonderful guest with us, Monday through Thursday on Future Quake, we end with a day that we review the news Mm-hmm. Of the last few days, and uh, we we had a great guest this week with the uh, mm-hmm. uh, our our dear friends that came in from Christian Exodus. Yep, all four of them. All four of them. That's right. We had an Exodus right to Future Quake. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, and then they sort of had their own Exodus out. That's right. Of course, the interview. They exited out of Skype. Yeah. Well, probably they're on the run. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I the man, the vaccine, the man getting yeah. after him. That's right. Like we'll be one day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was wonderful having them, and I think that information will give very good food for thought for people. I can't wait to see the discussion at the World of Prophecy uh, message board and mm-hmm. elsewhere on the web mm-hmm. and the emails that we'll get from all of you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, we'll tell you how you can contact us. Um, one thing I want to mention before we get into a quick email and a response mm-hmm. and, and news stories mm-hmm. is we had a, a great time uh day before our, our uh, recording date here mm-hmm. uh, having a a massive prayer session mm-hmm. for all of the programmers of different shows with the Revelations Radio Network. Yes. And uh, on short notice, a very ad hoc, you and uh, Brother James uh-huh. put this together. And his show is called... Uh, Fuzzy Radio X. Fuzzy Radio X, which is also on the Revelations Radio Network. Yes. And you all helped honcho this together. Put it together yeah, we right? put the whole thing together. It ended up, uh, ended up being almost... Uh, Two and a half, three hours worth of prayer time. And it's amazing. Everybody wanted to still, after the prayer session was over, a bunch of people were still in the, on the, on the sort of the, mm-hmm. the, the conference call wanting to chat about different things, and I just had to hang up because I had to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. But it was, well, I was there over an hour, and I, as I had told you on air, I had uh, some, some pressing commitments that I had to get to, but mm-hmm. I was there over an hour, and yeah. I was really blessed. And I think the thing that you know as well as I is that if we keep all of this activity a God thing and keep it centered on 
God inspiration, God motivated acting. <laughs> You're rich. No, that was just on the other TV show I was watching. I just saw one yeah, of those. Yeah, that was. I was going to say, wait a minute, that's yeah. one of the other. You know, ri- show. monetarily rich wouldn't be how I would describe the typical programmer of alternative Christian radio. That's no, not pretty much not how I, especially from just yeah, look at my own bank. I would think more widows might would be an apt description of the yeah, typical programmer. Bigger. But there was a spirit of unity, a spirit Mm -hmm. of lifting each other up, even for personal requests. Mm -hmm. We prayed for all of you listeners out there. We prayed for all of your spiritual and personal needs as well as an entire group. Mm -hmm. And we came in agreement together. And we know Jesus was there Mm because we were in agreement. And uh, on short notice, we had something like nine programmers there, Mm -hmm. all at one time, conference called Praying. You're right. Seeking the Lord for what we're doing in our ministries. Mm -hmm. And we hope to have a larger crew next time. Yeah. And what I'd like to ask you all to do, our listeners who always encourage us with our emails, is to just make it a point, uh, at least weekly, if not uh, more regularly, to pray for the future Quake show. Twenty Every 20 minutes or so would be good. Every 20 minutes, yeah, that'd be yeah. fine. A spirit of prayer. or or in, And also all of the similar shows in the Revelations Radio Network and all mm-hmm. of our kindred spirits. We've got yes. people like Lynn Marzulli and Jeff would, Ratt and I others. I would actually doing... like to send out a specific prayer request for an individual. Okay. Uh, a dear brother that we've had on the show several times, uh, William Grigg, mm-hmm. is is quite hard up on it. Uh, if you'd go to freedominourtime.blogspot.com, uh, he gives sort of a true account of everything he's going through right now. And I would just, uh, if you if you if you really liked him, he would sure appreciate your prayers. Mm-hmm. And even if you were just sort of lukewarm on it, you mm-hmm. you know he's still a brother in the Lord. Pray for him. Uh, if you really appreciate, I think he's one of the most brilliant Christian uh, writers and philosophers I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you really appreciate what he does, it'd be a good idea to drop over to his uh, place and buy his book, mm-hmm. or buy multiple versions of his book. Mm-hmm. You don't know what kind of blessing you might be doing uh, in this or circumstance. Just, you know, or just take you know dollar bills in large amounts and wrap them up in a piece of you know heavy paper and put them in an envelope and send them to. Uh, that address, which he has there right. on his place. Now, I don't think you're going to get anything back like prayer clause or anything like that. Yeah, like you, the won't other get ministries. A, you won't get like a love In fact, he doesn't even know we're doing this. He'd probably hit us for even yeah. for you saying that. And I, and, and I remember reading his other blog that he was training to be a cage fighter and he could bench press like 400 pounds. Yeah. So um, yeah. all of that to say, if he does come to fight us, you first. Even with his <laughs> medical illness, he could probably whip both of us. <laughs> but he is a dear brother in the Lord yes. that loves the Lord and... Uh, he's really walking through the valley of shadow. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's keeping his head up. He's faithful to the Lord. But things that, man, I don't know how I would deal with if if they were handed to me. And uh, mm-hmm. we can be a blessing. All of you out there and ourselves can be a blessing to him. Mm-hmm. And he'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so please keep him in your prayers. But but believe, believe me, keep us in our prayers and our, in our shows. And mm-hmm. got a lot of exciting things going on. In fact, there's going to be another new big show on Alternative Christian Radio going to be announced. Uh, in about a week, and we'll be able to talk about it here on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're the old, sort of the granddaddies. We're like the Ryman Auditorium of alternative... Oh, <laughs> I think, I think Dr. Dr. Monteith would get, get the record on that. He was there when we were like babes in the Yeah, I cradle. was like, when he was doing his thing, I was like negative five or something. Yeah, you still really hated God and everything back when he was doing his stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That was even true up until about seven years ago. No, so. no you've you shared your testimony with us. Yeah. Uh, c- can I share an email that's an intriguing email that will give us fodder for some? I don't know. Discussion? You're holding like five pages there. Well, we're not gonna go through all that. I hope not. It's it's breezy, but it's a very unique email, and the only reason I'd like well, 
there, there's several reasons I like to read it. I like to read the email from our mm-hmm. listeners. But this one uh, makes some very strong points as far as suggestions for our show. And it gives us an opportunity to respond because mm-hmm. one or two of these things, different listeners may have some of the same thoughts across their mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be best to get, out, get it out there for everybody to help clarify a few things about our show. Later on. Okay, this is sent from uh, a, a gentleman in Wisconsin who is a very dear friend of mine and a wonderful Christian brother who has since um, become a very faithful listener of our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is a gentleman who's very intelligent. He's completely devoted to the Lord. Uh, being of an engineer persuasion like myself, he's very analytical. Mm-hmm. And he will analyze things and tell you completely, like an engineer, what he thinks is wrong and needs to be righted. Not in an offensive way, uh, but in a way that he just thinks the way things ought to be. How's and he meets it in a, in a, how's his show doing? Uh, I don't know if he's got a show, but he, he would have an interesting one, and that's that might be a way point. to address some of this. <laughs> but he's a wonderful brother in the Lord, and I just want to share some thoughts. It gives us good, something good to clarify. He says, uh, Dear Dr. Future and Tom, quote, I have a long and ever-changing middle name, unquote, Bionic. Great. He says, I'm writing to express my feedback about your radio show. I'm a relatively new listener and have listened exclusively via downloaded podcast, which I downloaded via iTunes and listened in the car. On every segment, I hear Merv's invitation to contact you and offer comments, so I thought I would respond as requested. These are my own observations and opinions, and you are welcome to use any or part of them on air as you like. Uh, if you prefer to delete them, I'll not be offended, but I will continue to listen. More importantly, your show has prompted me to read parts of the Bible again with a heightened interest. I enjoy fact-checking and correlating your show's content with my own understanding of church teachings. I believe it is edifying to see uh, familiar scriptures in a new light and to biblically challenge previously held assumptions. That all sounds good. Very engineer-like, yeah. One of the best benefits of listening to Future Quake is the opportunity to fortify my own biblical worldview. The stronger our worldview, the stronger our faith, I believe. A robust foundation of faith, beliefs, and worldview makes a better disciple of Christ. Applying the lessons of biblical history helps me to live better for Christ today and the days to come. Thank you for causing me to evaluate and strengthen the lens uh, through which I view the current events of our world. Now, here we go. There are some opportunities to improve your show, which I believe would broaden your appeal and your impact on the Christian community. I believe the following suggestions would not compromise your ministry in any way, though they might cost some time in editing. For what it is worth, the following list is my own opinion, which may or may not concur with others who listen. And let let me just mention before I go into these that he is a fairly new listener, so Mm -hmm. he's just getting, and he has been listening to regular Christian talk radio for decades. Okay, so he's in this environment. How you can't be like Terry Gross? Well, (laughs) but anyway, he's been, now he's gone back and tried to listen to some old stuff and Uh looking into Peter Good Game and things. So, I mean, he's serious about this. Okay. Okay, here's the first one uh, in bold. He says, consider every minute of showtime. As I listen, I am seeking every nugget of useful content. Some of the banter and small talk is far enough from the topic that it slows the pace of information flow. In my MP3 player, I often scroll through the intros and small talk in search of the actual teaching content. Could you express this in terms of, or you could express in terms of content richness per comment minute? That's a good engineering term. Yeah, I was going to say, this, uh, this guy must... Uh, at, at t- I understand that. Yeah. At times, many comment minutes elapse without useful rich content. My advice, reduce commentaries and increase teaching time. Now, I have a few comments. Would you like me to make a few comments on this? I want to make tons of them, but you go first. Okay, let me start first. Uh, I can understand for someone who is just uh, really not familiar with our show, and particularly having not done a show like this or the kind of constraints that we do it as an independently produced show, how one might see that sometimes we have 
little some chatting, you and at the beginning and mm-hmm. at the end. Now, the way our people that listen away from the radio, from WNO, online listen one show butted right on the end of the other. So they get a mm-hmm. little commentary, interview segment, a little commentary, then mm-hmm. the next show begins with some commentary, next interview segment. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I would say we probably run on average between oh a minute and a half and two and a half minutes uh, transition between interview segments, mm-hmm. something like that. I'd say maybe even a little sh- less than that, mm-hmm. sometimes a little longer. But the reason why we do that, and some of our listeners may not understand this, is that since we're on the regular AM radio, we have to have a precise size of each daily half-hour show. Mm-hmm. It's got to be exactly 28 minutes, 20 seconds. And so we have to fill that precisely. When we arrange an interview with someone... We try to get as much time as they will allow for us. And when we ask an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes, that's really pushing it with a lot of our guests. They're used to getting quick sound bites from people. And it's a real stress. For, and the people we have are some of the most talented people in the world, and they're incredibly busy. So we have to pull and claw to get that much time out of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little awkward to cram into. We really can't get into three days. It's a little long to go into five, and so we find getting in a Monday through Thursday split up fits our half-hour show mm-hmm. on our AM dial. And our AM radio show is extremely important to all of us, uh, even though we don't know exactly the ratio of our local uh, on-air radio listeners versus our, our very large Internet audience. The reason why is people on the Internet are looking for our content. A lot of times people at least have some degree of awareness when they're looking online. And so they know some of this material. They're just looking for the latest in state of the mm-hmm. art. But what we want to get are the listeners who have never heard the kind of topics we talk about or very little bit about them. Mm-hmm. And the best way we can get them, we think, is on the radio. If we get them on the radio, then they can come to our website, catch the other shows. They might just catch five minutes on a commute in this area. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason why if, if the Lord blesses and it's his will, it would be wonderful for us to get on more radio shows. Uh, if we can get on that to sure. preach new people, we don't we don't want to preach to the choir. In other words, we want to reach people for some of these thoughts we're talking about are very new to them and causes them to really search things. And that's the feedback we get from people. And, and one blessing we had was was the coast to coast appearance that I had a month ago. Had a whole bunch of people that didn't know that this was going on on the radio or internet. And so that live on-air radio thing got us tens of thousands of new listeners yeah. who are now are aware of it. So I, I think that maybe will help clarify for people that we have to fill in that bit to make the fit the radio amount. Mm-hmm. And it gives you and I a chance. Eh, we, we sometimes get a little silly sometimes, and we have to sort of get the show rolling. Sure. But in the couple of minutes we have on either end, it allows us to put some context. After the interview is all over, we can take that one quarter of the interview segment and make a quick comment without mm-hmm. interrupting our guests sometimes about the, the topic. And I will say that sometimes uh, that's more necessary than others. Uh, yeah. Context for sure. Well, particularly if we have someone who's not a Christian and a guest, oh. and we want to clarify yeah. for our audience, true. particularly people who aren't used to us, mm-hmm. they may think, and these guys are just spouting heresy on this show, and we need to really clarify the biblical worldview. We try to do it even while we're recording on the show, sure. but we balance the respect we have for our guests, and even they may be a Christian with different views than us. Uh, and but we don't like to talk about them afterwards either. We just like to put some context. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little time to do that. Uh, plus, we have announcements of things that are ongoing, and we mm-hmm. can't cram everything into Friday. Uh, so sometimes those things come out. So that's my piece on that. Do you have any other thought on? How's your show doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a joke. Our brother here, he's he's, yeah. he's a great guy. That's true. Uh, he says, similarly with each new guest, I'm seeking a summary of the teaching or unique lesson the guest has for your listeners. 
I'm less interested in the guest him or herself or the history of the get lesson's evolution. Just give me the story first, and then we can evaluate it. Some of your guests have waxed long about how they arrived at their perspective, or they try to describe the responses others give to their perspective. This is less useful to me than the actual proposition itself. Dr. Heiser, Dr. Marzulli, and Judd Burton tended to do this. I would say there would be a lot of people that would qualify. Yeah. Discussing in laborious detail the responses others have had to their theories, but not clearly expounding on what their theory was. So well, I'm sorry. You get a bullet. <laughs> we're gonna start putting out a bullet point list. You know? <laughs> well, uh, my personal feeling is like an army field manual. Is that um, knowing someone's background is extremely important to understand their opinion and their perspective where they are. Uh, to me, it's puts in context because a lot of times we'll jump on somebody's back who has a different views, and our show is a parade of people of different views. I mean. Mm-hmm. They still may be orthodox, but they may be outside the mainstream of Christian thought. Mm -hmm. And so understanding how they came to that part is very important. I also find that the testimonies of people Mm -hmm. and how the Lord has led them to where they are is an inspiration and teaching in of itself to me. And also the fact almost every one of our guests has has sacrificed a lot, have gone against the tide to stand for what they believed in without having a lot of money or institutional support to get where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a lesson. I try to make that point when we talk about that to to our guests. So mm-hmm. I think those things are, are very, very important, too. Uh, maybe I could do a better job of trying to get people to summarize things. I, I don't like to interrupt our I guests that, too much. I think that overall that is a very poor uh, idea, only because what I hear on radio is this, you know, uh, sort of what the listener is seeking. And I don't mean to – I think I'm coming off sounding too angry. I'm sorry. It, I don't mean to sound angry. But what I, hear on, what I hear on most radio is a bullet point summary of everything that's done. It's like point by point by point. Well, I think that, that, that destroys uh, a couple of things. One is uh, closed-end thinking, or, or right. it, it perpetuates closed-end thinking, like, oh, those Muslims or those, those Jewish people or those people, those Democrats or those Republicans mm-hmm. – uh, and the fact of the matter is, is that, as we've seen again and again and again here, uh, people surprise me. And I'm sure they surprise, I would hope they surprise yeah. you. I mean, I know you're Dr. Future, but, you know. Uh, yeah. And right. getting a bullet point summary, and, and this is similar to, I think, what you su- expressed, but perhaps in a mm-hmm. different format. Getting a bullet point summary of things uh, uh, is just not the best way to go, I think, in my opinion. Well, it, the point he's making here predominantly is the fact that we spend a little time with the background of people and them leading up to where their position is. But I find we can't understand the future where things are going without understanding the past. To understand the the trajectory, the vector we're going, mm-hmm. if we don't understand where the past is taking us to now and where it may take us in the future. And as far as our, our guests and their background, I, that's something that really insp- inspires me before even I get to the content mm-hmm. of what they say is uh, how they have prevailed in their thinking, and to me gives them additional credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, I, when I find that they believe so much in what they're doing that they've gone against great obstacles yeah. There's to get several, to where they are. Yeah, several people like that have, have done that. Sounds like we're being very de- defensive of our show, but I'm trying to make this a little bit of an explanation, and at the same time, uh, it's good to recognize what other third parties think. You mm-hmm. know, there are other message boards on the Internet where if you Google Future Quake, our names will come they up. They come up. We come up. They don't know us at all. Well, oh, they don't know us at all, and it's very interesting to hear. And sometimes some of these questions are like this: like, well, boy, they spend a lot of time How come you talking don't sound about like so and so. Well, transitions. He says uh, you lose a lot of critical air time with length, lengthy transitions. This may be due to the podcast concentration of episodes. 
but I imagine many of your listeners are podcast listeners. Uh, if I were a radio listener, some of these transitions might cause me to change channels and maybe return later or risk losing me. Uh, I would recommend shrinking all transitions. Uh, he says, uh, I trust your judgment about speaker credibility. Steer listeners to either your website for your guest resumes and history. I do not need to hear a lengthy introduction or life story. Uh, keep it to three sentences or less. Um, when we have return guests, which we don't have many return guests, very few people yeah, we invite well, and because we try to keep it fresh. To be honest, that's part of the part of our working thing is that we just don't have a lot of return guests. Go right. ahead. You got, well, you got a lot if, to say. No, 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 no. If we, but, but if we cut some of these items out, we're going to have about a 20-minute show. <laughs> I mean, seriously, and, and maybe that's all people want. You know what we just need to do is just hand out, like, a, a once a week, send out an email with sort of bullet points. Well, like, Maybe maybe we could do it in Unitex code and provide a translation so we can binary. Get, yeah, binary. And uh, then um, now that will make this gentleman laugh when you say that in binary. Well, uh, it, but you know these questions are, may not be just him. If it mm-hmm. was just him, I'd do this privately. Okay. I thought he might answer other people okay. want the same thing. Well, how about turning the speed of the the interview up so we sound like it's like the chipmunks. <laughs> oh, that's in here too. <laughs> that's the other recommendation. No. Yeah. Uh, he says, Merv, I hear him say the same thing a lot. Shorten it and give him some alternative versions of his speech. Um, we do that for the radio audience. Uh, yeah. People drop in every day, and they need to have that clear release. Merv, Sorry, podcast listeners. Just just hit your forward Merv, if you don't Merv like that. Merv is a very, very nervous guy. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't. He's like uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, he doesn't improvise. He's like Rain Man. He just repeats the same yes. thing over again. Very, very nervous. Yeah. Okay. It says, introduction music and join us next time comments. This could be short and eliminated. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, if, in our early time when we had a one-minute, 50-second intro that's now been cut to 30 seconds with no words, and now about 10 or 15 second exit. I don't know how much more we can cut it, to, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, okay. Um, pre-show teaser, don't tell me just how great a unique show you're going to be. Give me a one-sentence teasers of the day, week's premise, similar to your iTunes summary. Well, what we try to do is to read a single-sentence title of the show right before we go to the interview. In fact, we try to repeat it every day, again, because we have new listeners every mm-hmm. day. Um and then it says, uh, humor is one of the strongest aspects of the show. Uh, I like this and it freshens the perspective that you don't come across too seriously. Keep the funny jokes, edit out the banter or ramblings. Most is funny, some is banal. So, well, well at least we're more 50 50 on the no, what, what funny can I banal. Say? I mean, you know, it's like. Uh, book resource promotions. Uh, make these easy to find by date and by topic or by show number on your website. While I'm driving, I cannot write down the book you recommend. Uh, we put, if you go on the website under past shows, you'll actually see the link to the, each of our guests, so I would recommend that. Self-congratulation. It is true that your show is unique and it serves a unique function in the body of Christ. Continue to use humor to soften the con- self-congratulations of your niche ministry. Um, yeah, I, I don't want us to come across like we're patting ourselves on the back. Uh, most of the emails that we get, um, I'm just trying to... Let some people out there hear if somebody else out there listening on the side of the country see if mm-hmm. they think the same things. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're encouragers. Uh, and then it says, similarly, the pokes at other ministries of the church must be done with care or self-deprecating humor. Your ministry is a vital element of Christ's work on earth, but it is not the only one. Other ministries that do not emphasize your type of content are not inferior. They just have a different calling and purpose. A sound evangelical church that teaches basic gospel and expository Bible truths may seem boring by comparison. Maybe he's talking about your... Mighty Tom's Bible it being born. Yeah, well. But it fills an essential need in the world. And then the last thing, uh, 
when a ministry uh, when a ministry is truly an error deceptive, I like the fact that you call it what it is. But it is merely a difference in emphasis. My opinion is that you should accept this as God's calling for them. Mm-hmm. Save your sharpest attacks for the pagan worldly influences that are truly opposed to Christ. And then the last comment, Nephilim are truly intriguing. Dinosaurs have a similar draw for nearly anyone. And yeah, not so much me. But uh, to think that they're in the Bible, man's history is even more fascinating. And then he talks about wanting to hear more about where Noah's Ark is and the Ark of the Covenant mm-hmm. and the it's Exodus like route and stuff like that. Oh, he's some recommended future mobiles of the future. Oh, so great. That's it. Sorry it was long. But I just thought some of those comments may come from other listeners. And I wanted to explain why we are what we are, imperfect or I not. You don't sound like Terry Gross. <laughs> Uh, but you know, to be fair, uh, this gentleman, when he first listened to the show, he was trying to be very encouraging. Uh-huh. But he said something to the effect of, "Why aren't you all more professional sounding like Dr. Dobson or other stuff like yeah, that?" Yeah, read, read uh, Aristotle or Plato. Um, that would be my would be my. Reading. Well, the the thing is, we don't have any money. We have zero budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have nothing. It's all done by faith, volunteer effort. We have no staff mm-hmm. except Pyro. And so, and really, I'm, he takes up more time. I, well, that's true. I'm thankful with the internet, and these two little cheap microphones we have, and places like WNO. What happens here is something that wouldn't have happened a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it's a real blessing, and it has impacted a lot of people's lives. I want to thank you, brother, that, whose email I just read for your input. I take it very seriously, knowing you mean well, as well as everyone else out there. But that's just a little explanation of why we are what we are. We, we'd always like to improve. If someone would underwrite us, I'm sure we could have a little more fancy stuff. But I sort of like us in our primitive way, you know. Uh, you know, another thing is uh, he mentioned more teaching, uh, less other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was funny that when that struck me that I don't know if we would call ourselves teachers. I mean, we, they may indirectly get it. Really, we're more of a news show that looks at things going on in the world from a biblical perspective. It's not like we're we're having a sermon on here. It's yeah. not like we're saying, open up your Bibles to blah, 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 and we're teaching this. It is fundamentally different than radio uh, that you hear yeah. on, on the mainstream we, nowadays. Yeah, it's we have a discussion. to a Socratic right. style or really sort of an Aristotelian where somebody stands up and yeah. uh, investigates the topic together mm-hmm. in, a, in a setting of mm-hmm. uh, intellectual discussion. And I, I recognize that those shows have their purpose. Uh, whether it's a sermon you hear or whether it's a regular Bible teaching, I'm, certainly that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's a purpose for shows like ours, which talks about real events happening in the world. And, and as you and I have talked about, many churches feel very uncomfortable covering some of these things. Sure. In some ways, shame on them. But in some ways, I understand because they're so controversial that they can split people. People can misunderstand. And I guess we're in a position where we can take those risks more because we don't have quite the same mission of a shepherd of a local body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we, we're somewhat a shepherd in some ways to our listeners. But... There has to be some forum to look at these very difficult, controversial issues yeah. and at least broach them from a Christian standpoint. Because uh, from the feedback I got from Coast to Coast or other listeners, mm-hmm. they're very frustrated that there isn't anywhere sure. else where it's done, for the most part, outside yeah. of the Internet. Well, uh, in my opinion, uh, much of Christendom is so anti-intellectual that uh, it's like our show, whatever it is, uh, certainly a breath of fresh air, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as you said... It's it's a it's a it's not really a teaching thing per se. It's more of a uh, expose of of different thought, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Teaching know? sort of just oozes out. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not premeditated. Like we're going to go through this passage. We talk about a topic. Yeah. As go we're to Mighty Tom's Bible study for the time. Mighty Tom's Bible study will yeah, give you classic classic teaching. Vanilla as they come. The, the, these are are, are two, two 
crotchety guys like you and I mm-hmm. that happen to be Christians with a Christian worldview mm-hmm. that give our two cents, talking with a guest who gives their two cents mm-hmm. about a topic out there, plus maybe our, our uh, listeners drop in some things. Yeah, there you go. But that's the kind of stuff that when we sit around a table together as Christians, we talk about. We just have a huge table here mm-hmm. talking about it, and we have freedom of thought. Yeah. And we brought I've taken, the cheese plate. <laughs> I've taken up basically all of our time. Awesome. Can you give a just a headline of what you were going to read had people gotten to hear your story? Oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, the objective of the 19-page document is the systematic vaccination of the entire French population in the period October, November, December, and January. Uh, the vaccine teams are to work in parallel, vaccinating people in three, four-hour blocks each day. And the document calculates that two teams operating this way will allow 184,800 injections to be given to 92,400 people in a center working five days a week for the entire four-month period of the mass vaccination campaign. Okay, that's great. Uh, speak, speaking of Frenchmen, here is Merv to tell you how you can contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. We are really out of time. Let's go. I apologize for taking our news time. Sure. This is a story they probably needed to be discussed at some time. There you go. Come back for for a great show next week and our regular news. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake. quake.